Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. Sounds fantastic. Another round, so what's this sound? That's a gang of larcenous gibbons making off with someone's treasured marimba. But what's this sound? Go compare. That's the sound telling millions of canny householders where to look to save on their insurance. For the right home cover, you'll soon discover nothing quite compares to go compare. Sounds fantastic. Lord, give me the strength at Boogie Cousins. My name is Josh Lloyd, and uh, we are here for a very, very special, I hope special, a very interesting, I hope interesting, informative, long, maybe long's the right uh, adjective I'm looking for, a very long podcast, because we're doing the 2016 NBA Draft Review. There's uh, there's a lot to uh, to get to, obviously, we had so much... Um, so much go down in the days preceding the draft. Just after I recorded the uh, Golden State Warriors pre-season review podcast, we had trade start. We had just, honestly, the NBA as a collective, it appears they lost their mind for, for big chunks of the last couple of days. And that was always on the cards this um it's gonna it's gonna keep happening. There's gonna be more stuff that continues throughout this offseason. Free agency, more trades. It's brilliant. Draft day is almost, or is it the best day of the NBA year? It's pretty close to the best day of the NBA year. NBA year. So much happening, so much uh, excitement, so much puzzled puzzlement. I think maybe is is the right uh, phrase. So many uh, confusing situations, so many rumors, so much innuendo. It is a really, really a, a great time to be an NBA fan. If you aren't aware, my name is Josh Lloyd, and you can find me if you're watching. Well, you can find me anytime on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball but if you are um, watching this podcast or show live you can tweet at me with any instant reactions comments quotes that you are you know criticisms anything that you have at redrock underscore b-ball let's get to it to it cool michael bolton's back he's back for the new season this is the first podcast in the uh in the new 2016-17 season that's the way i'm classifying it Anyway, but before we get into talking about the meat, the meat and potatoes of the NBA draft, a quick word from our, our sponsors, Fantrax. You know about Fantrax. You should know about Fantrax. It is the absolute premium place to host your fantasy league, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, whether it's college football, whether it's college basketball, any sport that you can think of and want to host a fantasy league, Fantrax has you covered. They have the best free model. They have the best premium model over there as well. If you're in a dynasty league and you want to get a draft started, you can do it now. The rookies are in the system. They're ready to go. You can start doing your draft now. It's not like waiting. Oh, when's ESPN going to open? You know when Fantrax opens? All the time. I think they shut down for a day at one point um, at the end of April. They're open all the time. You can do your leagues now. 
You can do your rookie drafts now. You can do all this stuff straight away. You throw in the fact that you can do leagues with in excess of 30 teams, which you can't do on the other sites. You can do contracts. You can do salaries. You can do any number of uh, of customizable options there is on Fantrax. When you sign up to Fantrax, and I suggest everyone just go and sign up to Fantrax, and once you browse it, you will be convinced. I am uh, convinced. You'll be convinced. I'll be convinced. The promo code you use, Red Rock, and that allows you a chance. The guys at Fantrax will be giving away some free premium leagues, hundred dollars worth of Fantrax cash, which will cover you for those pre- free premium leagues as well. Make sure you are checking out Fantrax. They are not only the best, but they're a great supporter of this show. Now I was tossing up in my head how to best do this uh, podcast because there is obviously a, a shitload to get to. So hopefully you're comfortable. Hopefully you've got a long drive. Maybe you're heading into work or a, a big commute. You can listen on your lunch break because I don't know how long this is going to go for. I did it last season. It went for two hours. Maybe not two hours because the last time I did it, there was three of us talking. I was talking to uh, Kyle McEwen and, uh, and Nick Brazzoni from uh, Rotowire. We did a, a three-man pod last year. Maybe it doesn't go that long. It also devolved into me singing for the last five minutes. And maybe, maybe you'll get a treat with that as well, but probably not with this voice. Um, what I want to cover first off is the trades that happened prior to the draft that included um, just players, and when we then we'll talk about the uh, the picks and we'll do it team by team, and then a slight you know, a section where we cover off the um, uh, undrafted players who have who at this stage have signed for teams. We've got your questions to answer as well, which gives you a chance to win the Fan Essentials free box for a month. Let's start with the trades. Let's start with the two that happened. I don't even remember what day it happened. Um, Wednesday, maybe. I've got the I've got the Derek Rose jersey here above my right shoulder. Um, probably the last time you'll see the Derek Rose jersey on this show because Derek Rose no longer plays for the Chicago Bulls. He was shipped along with Justin Holiday and a 2017 second round draft choice to the New York Knicks for Robin Lopez, Jose Calderon, and Jerry and Grant. In terms of talking about these guys' fantasy values, especially the guys coming to the Bulls, we don't know because there are more trade. The Bulls are just they're just wrist deep in trades at the moment. There, there's rumors all around the place, especially that Jimmy Butler one, which was like, is it happening? Is it not happening today? Which was their rumor of um, pick five and Zach Levine for Jimmy Butler, which the Timberwolves apparently said no to. But then Gar Foreman came out today and said, nah, we weren't uh, offering Butler anywhere. So who knows? what to believe. But the trade that they did do, Rose and Holiday heading to the Knicks. Um, Rose showed some signs last season, second half of the year. He started to look better. But at this point, he is at best an average point guard and most likely a below average point guard. And we've seen that for the last three or four seasons that he just he just hasn't been good. I don't understand the trade for the Knicks. Yes, you you get to take one year of Rose, and you're not giving up a huge amount, but let's be honest, Robin Lopez is probably the best player in this trade. And putting Rose alongside Carmelo Anthony, we know that those guys are going to be taking a ton of shots. Rose can't hit a three. He doesn't help any spacing. The guy you're developing, you should be developing. But... How? When you get Rose taking 20 shots a game and Mallow taking 20 shots a game, like, how is... Porzingis... This is the 12-month anniversary of Stephen A. Smith saying that as well. How's Porzingis getting to develop? If Rose is 27, he's not overly old, but he's not necessarily on Porzingis' timeline. Jerrion Grant, he's probably not going to be Derek Rose. He's never going to peak at Derek Rose's peak. He might not even get to Derek Rose's current level. But he would be a guy that I would have been looking at more to try and develop along with Porzingis. I don't really understand the move. Um, they need now 
they need some wings. Now, what I would be looking at for the, the Knicks, and it seems the majority of people disagree with me, Porzingis is a centre. And I will die on that hill that Porzingis is a centre. And I put a poll up on Twitter, yes, I think it was 55% said no, he's a power forward. I, I, yes, he played 70% of his minutes at power forward last year, 30 at centre. The Knicks were also a plus two when he played at centre, and they were dead even when he played at power forward. His true shooting and his usage were both higher when he was a centre as well. And overall, he was more productive as a centre. He, he is a centre. Mallow is a four. That is the way they should be playing. They shouldn't be looking, and we've heard these rumours. They're bringing in Dwight Howard, bringing in Joe Kim Noah, bringing in Pau Gasol, for God's sake. That would be horrific to play these guys next to Porzingis. Porzingis is a centre, and when he becomes a star, which he he's not he's not yet a star, but when he becomes it, he's going to be as a centre. But a lot of people don't agree with me there. They should be targeting wings. Twos and threes is what they need. Mallow at the four, Porzingis at the five, and then you actually have the makings of a good team. Rose, you know, do what he does as, as a drive-and-kick sort of player. Um, maybe he gets start things happening and get some wins. Get Kent Bazemore in. Get, you know, get a Celtics wing after they've got you know, a plethora of these guys who are around. Get someone to, to play that spot. Not put Mallow at the three, put Zingas at the four, and get a center. That is not going to work. Now, Rose... He traditionally gets overdrafted in fantasy leagues, except for last season. Last season, he was underdrafted. Is he going to be a guy that cracks the top 50? I'd be stunned if he did, but there is a you know, a late-round point guard. He, he is an option, definitely, and it'd probably be in the 11th or 10th round you'd be looking at him, but that's a, that's a possibility. Now, Lopez heading to Chicago, that means that Noah's gone. It means that Gasol's gone, I think. Lopez will be the starting center. Who knows what he brings for this team? He is a he's a solid-ish fantasy guy that again you pick in those last couple of picks. He, he gives you great percentages. He rebounds a little bit, but I think his biggest thing is going to be. I think he'll help Miritich a little bit. Um, he'll take a little bit of pressure off Miritich, allow Miritich to increase his rebounding numbers. And again, much and much like many of the things I'm going to talk about on this show, a lot of people don't agree with me. Miritich is a key player for the Bulls. He is a player they need to build around. He is their core, uh, along with Jimmy Butler. And he, he was a monster in the second half of last season. And I do think instead of playing him with Pau Gasol, playing him with Robin Lopez is a massive upgrade and it will help Miritich. And hopefully Hoiberg realizes it and goes, oh, you missed, it doesn't go, you missed your first two shots, Nico. You can sit for the next 40 minutes because that was the sort of bullshit that we as Bulls fans and fantasy owners had to put up with last season. Again, majority of you are going to disagree with me. Miritich is trash. He, he's useless. I'll, I'll say this. He's not. That, that should be evident by my love for him. But... He's also not as bad a defender as you think. He is an average defender. He's not a great defender, but he's also not a poor defender. And I think pairing with Lopez will really, really help him. Coldrun and Jerry and Grant, well, they're going to be in the mix for the point guard spot, along with perhaps Itwan Moore and uh, recently acquired Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Grant would be that player that you would you would look to that maybe get um, some some minutes and be a potential top 120 guy, but the Bulls will also be attacking players like Mike Conley in free agency, so we don't know how that's going to pan out yet, but I do like Grant. I think he's got a bit to develop, but I reckon that he can, he can work well. Butler is going to handle the ball a lot. His numbers would or should go through the roof if he remains on the team. Now, if he's traded and Chris Dunn comes across, then we know that Dunn and Levine will be the starting one or two. But at the time of recording, that hasn't happened just yet. So there is some interest. And Calderon will actually be valuable as well. As a spot-up shooter, a hundred times better than what Derek Rose is. He can go out there and hit 40% of his threes. And that's not... You know, he's a horrible defender, but play him 15 minutes. Play him 16 minutes. It's not horrific. 
So I think the Bulls it did fairly well out of this deal. The Knicks, it, it was just confusing to me in general. The next trade, I'll probably talk for way too long on that. You can tell how long this podcast is going to be. The next trade, the Atlanta Hawks, the Utah Jazz, and the Indiana Pacers. Jeff Teague headed from Atlanta to Indiana. George Hill headed from Indiana to Utah, and the 12th pick went from the Jazz to the Hawks. So let's start here. In essence, the Hawks traded Teague and they got pick 12 back. Well, we know that Teague was going to leave um, at the end of next season, most likely. Then We knew they had to trade him with Dennis Schroeder, um, ready to take the reins. Getting pick 12 for him, it, it's not a bad return. It's not the best return, but I think it's fine. It's going to elevate Schroeder into becoming a, uh, a top 50 player next year, almost without a doubt. You might have to absorb some pretty horrific uh, shooting percentages from the field, but I really, really like Schroeder, so that's the way that I, I see that playing out. Um, the Pacers, they've exchanged George Hill for Jeff Teague. Not really. That's, that's fine. I think that Hill is, again, a player that is extraordinarily overrated, a, a tremendous defender, a great shooter, and a guy that when he's forced to, he can be a takeover type player. We saw that without Paul George. He was phenomenal for the Pacers, and he was really, really underrated for them. Um, replacing with Teague, the defense does suffer. There definitely, the shooting does suffer. Teague is not the same three-point shooter George Hill is. Hill is older than Teague, but the Pacers are going to have to pony up to pay for him now. Maybe they, look, they're both free agents. Maybe they do with Teague. Um, he's faster. He can get to the rim yeah, pretty well. He's an efficient scorer, just not a good three-point shooter. So I think Teague's value probably stays similar. As long as it keeps the ball out of Monte Ellis's hands, which we don't know that it will, I think that's a that's a win because we know that Ellis is really, you know, he's going to start to struggle big time in these next couple of seasons. George Hill to Utah, uh, I love it for Utah. I love Dante Exum. Hill's 30, 31 years old, but this pushes you know, the Jazz really up into a you know, almost, it should, it should be a no no less than sixth seed next season. Yeah, Exum's coming back from an ACL. He wasn't going to slot in and play 30 minutes straight away. Um, he gets another year or two to develop, and then he can become the man. For now, you know, Exum's a really an awesome, extraordinarily buy-low guy because it's going to take two years to pay off. George Hill has really got a, a top 60 chance here in Utah. Yeah, Hood handles the ball. Yeah, Haywood handles the ball, but not as much as Monte, not as much as what Lance Stevenson did in Indiana, not as much as what Paul George does. So he's going to handle the ball, and there is a chance that he could be a top 40 player. That is not crazy. He's efficient. He'll hit threes. He gets steals. He can score, and he can dish some assists, but not a great amount. But it just fits what Utah does, given that you know we can have you know, three players all distribute the ball, Hood, um, Hill, and and Haywood. And then you've got Burks, and you've got Burke, and you've got Ingles off the bench, who are all really, really good passers. So um, Hill gets a bump to me. Teague maybe, well, but he was probably outside the top 15 anyway, so Teague probably stays the same. We had the Spencer Dinwiddie for Cameron Bairstow trade. Don't need to talk too much about that. Then we had a couple of trades before the draft today. The Nets traded Thad Young for pick 20, um, which they used on Karis Levert which we'll uh, talk about. Is it Levert or Lever? It has to be Lever. Did I just make a dick of myself? Lever. I'm going with that. Um, on the surface, you go, okay, fine. But then when you see Marco Ballinelli got traded for pick 22, so Ballinelli went for pick 22 and Thad Young went for pick 20. There is something massively amiss there. The Kings actually won that trade and they actually did something right and the rest of their draft we'll talk about later, but they won that trade quite handsomely to get rid of Ballinelli, who, who, let's be honest, he was as useful as a pile of shit last season, to get rid of him and to get a chance of getting someone younger because Ballinelli's not young, getting a younger prospect. I'm not sure what the Hornets were thinking. Yeah, he fits into that Courtney Lee three-point shooting guy and he was pretty good in San Antonio, so maybe he becomes that in Charlotte under 
a good coach and a, and a decent uh, organizational structure as well. So he could be that guy, but he's never going to be a 12-team league guy. We know that. He'll be a, a streamer and a 14, probably 16-team league guy, but still a weird situation with Thad Young, who was a, a real awesome player for the Nets last year, draws pick 20. And Bellinelli draws pick 22. And Young's contract, it looks pretty bloody good when you look at it now. And I don't really understand the uh, valuation of players there. Young headed to Indiana means that Mihinmi isn't back. Turner will be the full-time starting five. Young's the full-time starting four. Um, Yeah, uh, I think Young's value remains that same. He's a really solid mid-range target who gets a lot of steals. Should rebound the ball pretty well. Scores. Let's see if he starts hitting some threes again, which he didn't do at all in Brooklyn last season, but he has had seasons where he's hit over one three per game. So he is an intriguing guy. I think he he retains similar value. It's, It's obviously really hard to give you exact numbers and exact values of players at this point with the uh, the craziness of free agency still to come. But I'm trying to give some sort of an idea of a. Of what we talk about now, the other trades that happen in the draft, we'll talk about that as we go through this uh, this draft. Let's let's look at the uh, we'll look at. I didn't want to do it in pick order. I want to do it team by team, so we get an overall idea of how the team fared. We're going to start with the number one team by alphabetical order, the Atlanta Hawks. At pick twelve, which they got for uh, exchanging Jeff Teague, they picked Torian Prince out of Baylor. Now. The way that their draft shaped out, it makes you think that um, Kent Bazemore won't be back, and I think that's absolutely fine because you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. So they drafted two small forwards with their two first-round picks to fill that gap, and I think Prince is a is an interesting an interesting pick. And this is what I've been banging on about for the last week or two weeks, is that outside of those top eight, the next 40 players are interchangeable. Just get the guy that you want, or the top 40 players except for the guy that went at pick 13, are interchangeable and sort of get the guy that you want. And I think that's exactly what they did with Prince. Prince can pass a little bit. He can hit threes. Um, he rebounds. He's a, a decent defender. He's not a great defender, but he could very easily be the starting small forward by the time um, the season starts. And if that's the case, then I'd be more than happy with uh, with looking at him as a, as a player who could potentially have some fantasy value. Now, what I did is I did some rough stuff. This is, again, really rough, so I don't want to release it to the public yet about projections for rookies if they got 30 minutes a game. Um, Prince comes out outside the top 150 if you played 30 minutes a game. Now, he might be able to play 32 minutes a game, um, but He'd be a worthy pick in that last round of a 12-team league draft and see how it works out because the projections are never going to be 100% accurate. They should give you an idea. But I think that that Prince is really got got a shot at at a pretty significant role. The thing is, though, with pick 21, they picked another guy who was a guy that I thought they should have been targeting all along, and that's DeAndre Bembry, another small forward out of St. Joseph's. So it's going to be between him and Prince. Maybe they split the minutes. That's the concern. Bembry is a really, really good passer. Um, he's not a great defender. Oh, sorry, he's not a great shooter. His defense is okay. It's definitely not something that he's um, that he's awesome at. But he is... No, actually, that's not true. No, he is he's a really good defender. So he could fit in as a defensive guy, as a tertiary or secondary playmaker, which without Jeff Teague around, maybe they need some extra ball handling skills. So I think Bembry's going to have a decent role now. Is one of these guys going to play 33 minutes and the other going to play 15? Probably not. Is one going to play 25 and the other play 23? That's a more likely situation. Yeah, Bembry, when I look at the projections, he came out slightly worse than Prince, again, per 30 minutes, and it's going to come down to who gets that starting gig. Um, you know, I think that probably 
yeah, Prince could be the better overall player out of this, and that's obviously what the Hawks think because they took him first. But Bembry, you know, rocking a sweet afro, he's uh, a jersey I'm going to have to be really uh, really invested in, I think. And that's another thing. I need to cho- get choose all new jerseys for these teams. Um, I think he's a I think he's a really interesting player as a secondary ball handler on this team, and, and they did well. At pick 44, their second round pick, they picked, again, a player who very easily could have gone in the second round, uh, Isaiah Cordinier from France. He's uh, 19 years old. He's a shooting guard. He probably won't come over, and that's fine. They've got a couple of picks they picked in the second round last year, Avraganis and Eriksson. I think Avraganis, isn't that how you say it? Um, They're still stashed in Europe, and both those guys did struggle. But Cordinier is an interesting guy. I think he's a guy that can show um, some speed. He's got athleticism. He can drive. Uh, to the rim, he's pretty aggressive there. I reckon he's a, a real interesting prospect. Again, it has to be really deep league stuff, but with Corvin not getting any younger, in two years' time, we might see Cordinier come over and be an impact player along the lines of, maybe not an Evan Fournier, because that's lazy, because he's French. He's just an aggressive driver, and he, he's an athletic player who who I think yeah, he can shoot a little bit as well. Overall, I, what the Hawks did, I really liked it. Yeah, he, Putting Schroeder in, you've got two young wings and a third coming over in Cordinier. Um, I couldn't have liked it anymore, really. I think it was a fantastic um, performance or a fantastic choice. Again, you can't really grade all this stuff now. It's impossible to. But nothing I look at and go, that's a bit dumb. Yeah, nothing like that happened at this point. I mean, that's that's always a good start. Let's talk Boston Celtics. We hear the, the phrases all the time. The Celtics are going to trade. They've got too many picks. They're going to trade. And what they did trade um, didn't didn't make any moves with that three pick. They were in the running for Jimmy Butler. But again, Gar Foreman reckons that wasn't the case. They also had an option, um, according to Mark Stein, of trading the number three pick. And this is something they absolutely should have done, in my opinion. And I'm not sure what Philadelphia was. I know what Philadelphia's thinking. They wanted Chris Dunn. But the number three pick for Nerlens Noel, Bob Cov, pick 24 and pick 26. Uh, to me, that is a, an absolute no-brainer to me. Nerlens Noel started, would have started straight away. He would have averaged two blocks a game. He would have averaged 10 steals a game. Not shit. He wouldn't have had 10 steals. He would have averaged two steals. He would have been at you know, 13 and 8 sort of player. I think he would have been a fantastic fit. Put Bob Cove on the wing. They can't hit threes. Bob Cove can. You've got a couple of picks at 24 and 26. Um, you could have packaged those up to move into the teens. It's, it seems dumb to me. Picking Jalen Brown... Not a massive fan of him. They need shooting. Uh, he doesn't really offer that at this point. I think that he can you know, be a really good defender, but they've got a guy, they've got a lot of guys who are good defenders. Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder. They've got these guys now. I think that this might signal that Evan Turner isn't returning. We don't know that for sure, but Brown could come in there. He's, he's a great athlete. He can develop, and they've got time to let him develop behind Bradley, behind Crowder. So they must have just thought, we're going best player available, and Brown is that guy. I would have been looking at Dragon Bender myself personally, um, but I'll put it this way. If you're looking at drafting rookies next year in a um, in a redraft league, out of the 41 players that I've done my projections for so far, Jalen Brown comes in 39th, outside the top 250. That's if he played 30 minutes. 
he is not playing 30 minutes, so there is zero chance of him having any fantasy relevance in probably 20 team leagues next season. That's my early take on Jalen Brown. And whether you think he can develop in Dynasty remains to be seen. I wouldn't be overly keen on him, though. His numbers don't translate to a great fantasy prospect at this point. Maybe you bank on athleticism, but to me, it was a um, it was a weird choice. The next one at number 16, it might have felt early to you guys. This is a name that I've been dreading having to say. I don't think I've heard it be said out loud. I probably should have researched that, but hey, this is the Red Rock Basketball Monster Show. Sometimes I'll stuff things up. Gershon Yabusele. I apologize to Mr. Yabusele's family because I absolutely destroyed that. Gershon Yabusele. The accent's okay. I really like this guy. He was getting a lot of buzz. He's a big man. He's a big, strong power forward. I said, I tweeted out, I think, a couple of hours before the draft that he will go in that uh, mid to late range of the first round and expect him to go there. I didn't expect him to go up pick 16, but he is a, a bullish, um, strong guy. He's not tall. He's only 6'8", but he can hit threes. He hit 43% of his triples last season while playing for SPO Ruin Basket. Uh, maybe I should say that with an accent. Espiolu and basket. How's that for a French accent? I know I've got people who listen in France. How bad did I just kill your accent? Pretty bad, I'm guessing. He is young. They need front court options. Absolutely no doubt. Salinger and Zala could very well not be back. Uh, Amir Johnson might not be back. So yeah, he's interesting, but... Is he going to come over this season? It doesn't appear like it. He looks like he'll stay in France or wherever he plays in Europe um, for a couple more seasons. Maybe he could play the three. Unlikely. He just feels a little bit slow um, for that. But he is. He does have explosion. He can jump um, and, he, and he can hit shots and he can rebound as well. So he is an interesting player. Pick 23, Ante Zizic. Oh, I couldn't love Zizic more. Now, if they're stashing him, I don't like it. He can come over straight away, and he should come over straight away. He is, when I look again at my projections, he's a guy that if he played 30 minutes a night, he'd be a top 100 player, and that's the way that I, I view Zizic. I really, like in the mock draft the other day, you saw me pick him a pick 14 for the Bulls. I, I really, yeah, really, really rate Zizic. I think this is a great pick at that spot. Now, whether he comes over, we don't know. He should come over. He should have a role. He's better than Zala. He's potentially better than Salinger at this point already and, and could really come over. But maybe they just want to have one season where they see a little bit what they got from Jordan Mickey. Now, he has been tearing up the Adriatic League, the same league that uh, Yusuf Nurkic and Nikola Jokic did in previous times. Really, really, um, really like him. He's a guy that he can rebound at, at a top level. He can score a little bit. His defense is not ideal, but he, he'd be an interesting guy now I'm reading here that he doesn't have a, an NBA buyer for this summer but I've read that he uh, I've read that he does so that's uh, conflicting regardless let's wait and see how that all plays out but he is a, a player that from a fantasy point of view he he has got really top 100 potential so a guy that I like up high in dynasty type drafts even though you probably won't get much in, well, you might not get any impact from him this season at pick 45, no, actually, before I do that, they did make a trade, the Celtics, in this draft. It wasn't a, uh, a barn burner or anything like that, but they did trade a couple of their second rounders away. I'm just going to bring that up on my screen here. 
They traded away pick 31. They traded away pick 35 to the Memphis Grizzlies. In return, they got the lottery-protected first-round pick from the Los Angeles Clippers, which the Grizzlies got in the Jeff Green trade. So they got themselves another future first and got rid of two of those um, uh, two of those second-round picks that they had this season. At pick 45, Demetrius Jackson. That's a huge slide. There was talk of Demetrius Jackson going to the Bulls at 14. And again, just what I said, there's so much of a of a blanket thrown over all these players. He went really, really late here. Not Look, he struggled immensely as a shooter when uh, Jerrion Grant left Notre Dame and he you know, was put into a much bigger role. I think he dropped by like 10% in both uh, shooting from the field and his three-point shot. But he is a, it's tremendous value to get at that point. Now, the Celtics aren't going to need him. Unless and there could be very well trades coming. Smart, Thomas, Rogier, Bradley, Hunter. Yeah, none of these guys, they're all there ahead of him. So Jackson is at best the fourth point guard on the roster. He would most likely he might go to Europe, he might play for Maine. Um but he has to work on a few things. He's not young, I think he's a I think he's a junior. So he's got a lot to work on. But at that point, it's tremendous value for the Celtics to get in there. For him to make the roster feels like it's going to be a stretch unless these guys do get traded. You know, Bradley moves on or or Rozier moves on or whoever moves on. Um, there is there is going to be room. Now, Jackson, in terms of his fantasy friendliness... It wasn't um, it wasn't superb. He was uh, he was thirty sixth on my list of these rookies that I did. So he, he was pretty low, and a lot of that's translating to just the poor shooting that that he does offer. Um, again, he's not going to be able to contribute this season, and I'm not sure I love him from a dynasty perspective. I'm not sure he ever has a top one hundred season, but he could. Pick fifty one, Ben Bentel. You know, I think really late for Bentel here. He, he's a player who does struggle to um, to defend. He is a really good shooter though. 6'8 power forwards, maybe they're coming a little bit back into vogue, but he, he can score. He averaged 21 points last season. He shot 33% from three, 46% from the field. He's a guy, maybe a Carlos Boozerish type of guy, a sort of a smaller power forward who shoots and rebounds and doesn't do a huge amount else. But he's going to get an opportunity here with um, Boston. They're keeping the pick. They're not trading him away. He will get an opportunity in that front court. Who might be losing Salaja, who might be losing uh, um, Zeller, and who might be losing Johnson. But at best, he, he's going to be a fourth big this season who can definitely offer some scoring. And that's something they did need from their big men. But yeah, defensively, he will be a little bit of a struggle. Maybe he's more of a, a poor man's... Yeah, piss poor man's uh, David Lee. Maybe maybe that's where he sits. But he's a scorer, a guy who can rebound, but he can stretch it out to three. So he's an interesting prospect. The other pick that they had was at pick um, pick fifty eight. Abdul Nader, a power forward from Ohio State, another uh, big man. Didn't really expect this guy to get drafted at all. He's gonna have to play. Um, in the D-League, unlikely they sign him to a deal this year. He'll likely go down and play uh, with the main red claws. And, yeah, look to see what he's got. I'm not massively high on Nader. He was the pick, he was the 58th pick, the third last pick. So you shouldn't have high hopes for him. We'll, um, we'll see how he goes. But nothing overly exciting for um, uh, for Abdul Nader at this point. As far as I'm aware, the Celtics haven't signed any uh, any undrafted guys just at this point, we'll, uh, we'll, remain, we'll remain vigilant to see whether that does actually uh, turn up. The next team, the Brooklyn Nets, they didn't come into this uh, draft with a first-round pick, but in the end, they uh, they did. They traded that young, as I touched on earlier, and uh, and got themselves the pick pick 20. Now, Karis LeVert, sorry, sorry, Michigan fans, sorry, anyone, sorry, Karis, if you're listening. I don't know if that's how I pronounce your name. Yeah, he's a lottery talent. He's a top-10 talent. 
but the foot is a real, real problem. Now, two stress fractures in his foot, but if there's anyone that knows we're dealing with stress fractures, it's, well, there's two people. It's Kevin Durant and his doctors, and it's Brooke Lopez. And the Nets have spoken to Kevin Durant's doctors about Levert, and they've got Luke Lopez. So if there's any team that can handle it, I think it's the Nets, and he has got massive upside. It's not like the Nets don't have need all over the shop. They do. But could he come in immediately and be the starting shooting guard? It's probably a marginal stretch, but who's ahead of him? Wayne Ellington, if he comes back. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich, who's more of a three anyway, but he'll play the two with Ronda Hollis jefferson there, who's really not much anyway. Levert could be a guy who... Levert, Levert, I'm just going to say both and interchange him. Who could have a real fantasy role next season because he's a big guy, he's 6'7", he, he can shoot, He's um, his defense is okay. Uh, in the end, I reckon you could have got him later. You could have got a second round pick and maybe grabbed him because apparently a lot of teams had him completely off their board because of, because of the injury problems. But... The Nets made their pick, and uh, do I need to say it again? I probably should say it again. These picks are so close in value, all these guys. If you want a guy, just get him. Just take him. And look, it was aggressive trading Thad Young for him, but the Nets are going uh, full scorched earth, it appears. They don't give a shit about the Celtics pick. It's done. They're not getting it back. You know, Brooke Lopez is clearly their best player. Their second best player probably doesn't even exist. Maybe it's Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and they've got nobody else. So Levert has got a massive opportunity here to show that he, A, he can be healthy, and B, that he can produce. And I reckon, B, he's a pretty decent chance to show that. And really, really looking forward to see what he can do in summer league and preseason. But could be a player that, that is a, a draftable 12-team league guy next season. Now, quick note on that for fantasy next season. I don't think we're not going to have multiple top 50 guys next season. We probably won't have one. We might have one or two top 100 guys. So don't be looking at it and going, well, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, well, Kristaps Porzingis, well, Nikola Jokic, they were all top 50 guys. Yeah, they were. It's just, it's not going to happen again. It, it, it historically shouldn't have happened last season. It just doesn't happen. You're likely to get two top 100 guys, maybe one. And... You know, one of the guys who's a chance to be a top 100 is Zizic, who probably is not going to come across. There's a couple other guys I'll touch on later. But you know, taking guys in the top 100 in drafts is going to be risky. Fine with taking them at the back end of the first uh, of your, your 13th round or your 12th round, that sort of pick, and then dropping them after two or three weeks. And by the end of the season, you might have four or five rookies who are, who are rostered by teams as they improve. But overall, not not a great idea for rookies to be drafted in the top 100. At pick 42, the Nets grabbed Isaiah Whitehead, a scoring guard, and played for Seton Hall. He can score, and they need they need two guards. They need guys. He can handle the ball a little bit as well. He's not going to be a point guard, I don't think, but he is a guy that, that can score. He needs to do um, he needs to do a little bit more defensively. He needs to concentrate more, but he can pass. He's not a guy that is afraid of passing, and he can score. So. He's going to have an opportunity, and if they ease LeVere along and decide that they give Whitehead a starting role, which is absolutely possible as well, then he'd be a guy that you'd want to consider because he could score, and he could score at a relatively decent rate. Just got to watch those other things. He could be an, he could be a, like an Aaron Aflalo, just a negative in every other area. All Aflalo's a negative in points as well. Um, so keep an eye on uh, Isaiah Whitehead. I think that he is a, he's a real deeper Dynasty League player, but... Someone that's um, yeah not not a, I think the Nets did pretty well given what they've got, 
getting those two players, there's definitely a lot of talent with those guys. So yeah, not not a bad um, not a bad effort from the Nets to do that. Let's talk Chicago Bulls. We'll start with the the rumor again. If the if the Wolves knocked that trade back of Jimmy Butler for um, pick five, which ended up being Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, I feel like that that's it's a huge mistake. Now it still might happen. The, the trade still might go through. But the Bulls, it, it doesn't seem like it's a... Um, I don't know why they're trading Jimmy Butler. They're going full rebuild as well. It's not like Butler's old. What is he, 27, 26? He's on a cheap contract. Um, odd. Maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, the Bulls will have traded Jimmy Butler and I'll have to buy a complete new set of Bulls jerseys. The player they picked at pick 14, Denzel Valentine. Um we know the productivity with him was awesome. 19.2 rebounds and 7.8 assists, shooting 44.5% from three. Absolutely brilliant. He was one of the players of the year in college. He is a senior, though, and the knee problems was a concern, saying he had knees similar to Brandon Roy. He's also come out and saying that that report is bullshit, which, of course, he will say. But he said, oh, I'm healthy. I've never had knee problems. I've never had this issue. I'm completely healthy. With the Bulls' point guard situation a little barren, having Jimmy Butler handle the ball and having Denzel Valentine handle the ball is fine. Now, he has his limitations, his his speed, his athleticism, his decision-making in close is a little bit of a concern. But Denzel Valentine, I'll go back to my list of fantasy you know, prospects, he's number one. If everyone plays 30 minutes, he is the number one rookie. He, he, you know, he He's going to hit threes, he's going to get rebounds, he's going to get assists, he's going to score... His percentages would be fine. I think he's a a really, really interesting player. Now, whether the the injuries, any any whisper of an injury with the Bulls makes me immediately say Bulls medical staff and immediately need to run to the toilet so I don't shit my pants out of you know being frightened. It's a real concern with the Bulls. But if he, if, as he says, he's fine. It's a fine pick. It's an absolutely brilliant pick, to be honest. Having another ball handler who can hit threes, which Derek Rose couldn't. He's a better he's a better passer and a better shooter than what Rose is at this stage of his career. He's nowhere near the athlete. He's probably a tenth of the athlete. He's not as dynamic. He's not as dynamic a scorer, and he might struggle a little bit in defense. But could Rose defend? Not really. Um, put Butler on ones. Put him on two. Whatever you need to do. I really, really do like the pick. Of Valentine, I'm just extraordinarily nervous. Now, I've got to replace my Rose jersey. Nikola Mirotic was going to be my guy um, to replace him, and maybe he still will be. But could I talk myself into getting a Denzel Valentine jersey? I'm really, really interested to see what he does. Mm-hmm. And from a fantasy point of view, if um, if he can find himself in a role where he starts, which is probably going to be a struggle, but let's be honest, Mike Dunleavy, 70, 75 years old, He's not a starting small forward. Dougie McDermott, you know what? He can shoot. What else can he do? The list is is pretty uh, It's pretty minuscule. And by minuscule, I mean it's written in invisible ink. There's nothing on that list that Doug McDermott does apart from shoot. If Valentine does everything, and he could very comfortably find himself in a 25-minute-a-game role, um, if he played 30 minutes, my projections coming have him coming out as a sixth-round player, the, the best out of all these rookies. He probably won't get 30, but in 25 minutes, he's absolutely someone who you'd consider in the last three rounds of your draft because even in 25 minutes, he could finish ranked 110th and be a real surprise packet. He could also get blown off the court by the NBA's athleticism, but 
I'm really interested in what he can do. The second pick. Now, you know I've got a lot of boys in the, in the league. That sounds uh, that doesn't sound great, but I have guys who I consider my boys, my men. Um, I developed one heading into. I developed a few heading into this draft. One of them was Ante Zizic, but the guy that really developed into my boy late in the process was uh, my man Paul Zipser from Germany. I really enjoy Zipser, and now he's on my favorite team. Maybe we'll see a Zipser jersey hanging up there. I can't wait to see him in Summer League. He apparently is not going to be a draft and stash guy. I thought he could have gone in the early 20s in the draft to get him at 48. is a massive steal. Now, he can do things similarly to Valentine. He can hit threes. He can defend really well, actually, a much better defender than Valentine, and I think that's a great option on the wing. But he can pass the ball. He's not a terrible passer. I think that he is a, a very intriguing player as a second rounder. He came out. As a player that if he got 30 minutes a game, you're drafting him in 12-team leagues as a rookie, and that's pretty useful to me. He came out ahead of guys like Sabonis and Chris and Pirtle and, and Wade Baldwin and, and Torian Prince and you know, a few of the other guys who I'll mention later. He came out ahead of them. He's not going to play 30 minutes. I think that's fairly locked in, but he can come across and really fill a role on this team that, that is rebuilding. And if, if Butler goes... When, then we know there, um, you know, Levine and Dunn will be the, the one and two, and Valentine and Zipsa will be fighting for minutes on the wing. But Dunleavy is going to be minimised completely, you would think. And I think that Zipsa will really, really fit what uh, what Hoiberg is going to do. And uh, this, I absolutely love this pick. Zipsa might be on New Jersey. Oh, it's hard to go past Miritich, though. Bearded bros, we need to stick together. But Paul Zipsa, not only has he got a, just... A superb name that if he gets himself a monstrous line of the night, he is going to find uh, some beautiful puns to go along with that name for titles of shows. But I, I just really like him, and it's a, a perfect marriage of one of my boys going to one of my te- not one of my teams to my team, and I'm uh, overly excited, as you can tell. Zips of love is real. The Cleveland Cavaliers bought themselves a pick in the second round, or LeBron at, at LeBron's behest. They got pick 54, they bought that pick from the Atlanta Hawks, and they picked Kay Felder, the point guard from Oakland. He's 5'9". Yep, but he is just insanely strong. He is insanely athletic. He would have been a first-round pick if he has an extra two inches tall. The Cavs, Mo Williams is opting in, but he's toast. We know that Dalavadova might be leaving. Felder... Yeah, LeBron likes him. We know how that worked out with Shabazz Napier, but LeBron does like K. Felder. And really interesting stuff. He can play a little bit off the ball. He can shoot a bit. Um, I think he's really exciting. I can't wait to see what he does. It might take three years. Most likely it will take three years or so, but he could contribute a little bit initially. And really, really interested to see what he does. Interested to see what these small point guards do because this game is turning smaller, I think. And I, I think that's great because it unlocks the ability of more athletes and more talented players who said, oh, you can't play because you're too small. Yeah, it's 5'9", it's pretty small, but I could really see a place in the NBA where centers are 6'9", at, at most, with the occasional freak at 7 foot, but majority going 6'9", 6'10". I can see that happening. And we were debating this a little bit on Twitter yesterday about and whether small ball is a trend or not. I think it's a trend that it's going to be an everlasting change to the game that, that small players and height is going to be more compact. It's going to be let's get length and let's get 
a starting five ranging from 6'3 to 6'8. That could be the way they do it with a couple of you know, spark plug guys like this, um, like Kay Felder. I, it's really interesting to me he's not going to be a fantasy impact, but absolutely when you can just buy the pick and grab a guy who has got insane talent, why wouldn't you? The uh, Bulls haven't had anyone sign as unrestricted or as undrafted players yet, neither have, uh, neither have the Cavs from what I've mentioned or what I've seen. The Dallas Mavericks, they did not have a first-round pick, but they did have pick 46, and I love their pick there as well. They picked A.J. Hammonds, the center from Purdue. He was a, uh, he, he's got a real chance to be a starting center for this team. Who have they got? Zaza Pachulia, who was clearly out of favor by the end of the season. Um, Salah Mejri, who is, look, had some moments, but Kylo doesn't fully trust him. JaVale McGee, cool, hip. Um, Mejri's 29 years old as well. Hammonds is a big guy. He needs to work on his athleticism. He needs to work on his motor. He needs to work on his ability to run run the court. But he he, he can score. He, he can rebound. He can protect the rim. I think this is a really, really good pick from the Mavericks. And you're going to hear me saying that a lot because that's I really love the depth of this draft. The start power's not there. But Hammonds could be a player who steps immediately into a, a 18 to 20-minute role and could become a guy who... you know, it, might surprise you what he can actually do if he gets in shape in the next two to three seasons. I think that he is a, a really good pick, and Dallas doesn't do much with draft choices, but this is a, a solid pick. It's a smart pick, and they had a real you know, place for need there at the center position. But he is a guy that can score. Um, I really like him as a big man, a very, very interesting pick from the Mavericks, and you know, a great use of resources. Let's talk the Denver Nuggets who had a plethora of first-round picks. They had three of them um, and had some decisions to make, obviously. Now, no, at this point, um, they didn't haven't had any undrafted guys signed, but let's go through the picks that they actually did make. At pick seven, Jamal Murray, inexplicably to me, fell to them. They, they have to love getting Murray there. He can play backup one a little bit behind Emmanuel Moutier, even though they've got Jameer Nelson there and DJ Augustine as well uh, he can play there he can play at the backup two behind Gaz Harris he might even take over Gaz Harris a starting role which is a real possibility Will Barton we know what Will Barton is maybe Barton's more of a three I'm not a massive Barton fan as you mentioned but as you mentioned as you know as I've mentioned I think it's a great pick he was clearly the best player on the board he's one of the, the best shooters in the uh, in the NBA He's going to fill a, a key role as a backup player. He won't play a massive amount initially because of Gaz, because of Barton, because of Moutier, because of Nelson. Um, but he gets time to, to work on his game, to develop himself. And the Nuggets have got a, shown a real history of being able to develop players. You know, Harris came from a nobody. not a, He was a first-round pick, but he was he was trash his first season. You know, Jokic, Nurkic, the international scouting has been great, but they got developed as well. There's there's a lot, and we saw how much Emmanuel Moutier improved over the course of the season as well. This is a great, um, a great depth pick for uh, for the, for the Nuggets. I think it's a it's an awesome an awesome spot. He's a great player coming off a great shooter coming off screens, and that's exactly what he's going to be able to do. Now for fantasy, if he played thirty minutes, I'm not sure that 
you know, he's going to have a great fantasy game. He he, he comes out you know, bang on around that 200 mark, which is obviously not impacting many spots. The path for him to get 30-plus minutes a game is obviously very crowded and crowded with young players, Harrison Moutier as well. So he's not the most appealing of dynasty targets. And in dynasty, it's really hard to project more than three years in advance. And that's sort of what you'd be doing with uh, with Muzza at the moment. Yeah, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to be calling him, uh, Jamal Murray. I'm going to call him Muzza. Um, hard to project that with Muzza moving forward. You're going to be a good shooter. Yeah, your three-point percentage leagues, it's going to be a, a key part of that as well. And really interested to see here how he develops, but he's not going to have much of an impact this season. At pick 15, the rest of the NBA should be scared here. The Nuggets picked Juan Hernan Gomez. We know what the Nuggets do with overseas players, and that is they bang them. They absolutely hit them, nail right in the head. And Hernan Gomez is another one, a, a dead-eye dick shooter, and they need that at the four because, uh, let's be honest, Ken Fareed isn't. Uh, Darrell Arthur, he tries to be, but he isn't. But Hernan Gomez, is he is that guy. He's 20 years old. He could very well come across straight away. He might stay in Spain for uh, for another season. Yeah, while they work out what they're doing with Farid. But Hernan Gomez is a player who's not a bad defender, not not a massive positive, but you know, a marginal defender, but a, a shooter, a scorer, a, a polished prospect at age of 20. When he comes across, he could very easily slot in and be the starting power forward on this team. Although I still want to see the Jokic-Nurkic combination, but having him next to... Jokic or Nurkic having a guy who spreads out, especially next next to Nurkic, who can go out there and hit threes. Um, absolutely, uh, love love it. Hiccup, sorry. Well, oh, that's going to be annoying for the podcast. Oh, gee, they need to go away. I need to think clearly to get rid of my hiccups. I think they're gone. Fareed's gone. He's as good as gone to me. You can't convince me that he's a, an above-average player. He's an average player at best. He is a toast in the next couple of seasons. At pick 19, they picked Malik Beasley, the shooting guard from Florida State. <laughs> Love it as well. The problem is now that you've got Murray, you've got Gaz Harris, sorry, Muzza, you've got Gazza, you've got Willie Barton. Um, Barton's gone. He, Barton has to be part of a trade coming soon. That's the way that I see it. But he can really come in and, and hit threes, and he can play defense, much like what Gaz Harris does. So you know, there's there's competition here. Now, I was excited for Gaz coming into this season, but there is a lot of competition. Murray and Beasley are two guys who can really take this job off him. So I'm interested to see. He hit 39% of his threes last season for Florida State. He's a decent-sized guy, 6'5". He can defend. Not going to see much out of him straight away. Uh, because of all these other players there. But, yeah, it's just about acquiring talent, and that's exactly what they've done because that gives you the ability then to go, well, Willie, you can go. Gaz, we can trade you and get something else. We can uh, yeah, package you with Danilo Gallinari and get a real star or something along those lines. But they have just shored up that shooting guard position by getting Beasley and Muzza as well. Really, really good combos. And to me, again, a lot of people are going to disagree, and they're going to disagree with me even more when we get through this podcast. But... Um, Barton's expendable. I'm just not not a Will Barton fan at all. Maybe you keep him for one more season, but if an offer comes up, he's done to me. Pick 53, Peter Cornelli, a uh, another international player. He won't be coming over, uh, but I I don't mind. I don't actually. I probably should, where did my uh, where did Malik Beasley fall on my uh, on my rookie projections? Pretty low. Yeah, so he's got he's got a bit of time to develop. He was one spot ahead of. 
um, Jalen Brown. Hernan Gomez, um, uh, for reference, finished uh, just just around that Jamal Murray mark. So not a guy who's going to contribute immediately, but you know might might have it. He'll have a couple of top 100 seasons throughout his career. Uh, I would say Cornelia actually finished ranked higher than all those guys. He used to get 30 minutes. He's a he's a power forward. Another guy that could um uh, could come across. Not quite the same guy as Hernan Gomez, but a guy who can shoot, a guy who can rebound. Um, he's athletic. He's got a bit to develop. Unlikely he comes across again straight away, but two to three years' time, he could really come across and, and be that player who, who finds himself as a top 200 fantasy prospect. Probably better. Probably a top 150 guy is his healing. But the Nuggets absolutely nailed this draft to me. You get Muzza, you get Hernan Gomez, you get Malik Beasley, and you get Peter Cornelia. And Cornelia at 53, he was projected to go like 30, 31 in a lot of spots. It is uh, it is a really uh, really interesting selection, and I think it's I think it's awesome. I think they did a really good job. The Denver Nuggets yet again they killed the draft most years. Detroit Pistons they had pick eighteen, and a player slid, and he slid to them, and it was Henry Allison, Allenson sorry Henry Allenson at pick eighteen. Now he can score, he can hit the three as well, and I think that him with Stan Van Gundy. Is um, is pretty bloody awesome. Now, will he become Ryan Anderson? Maybe not, but he's got the ability to become Ryan Anderson. He's not super athletic. He's not a good defender, but Van Gundy knows how to work with that. And pairing him with Andre Drummond is uh, is pretty impressive. Now they've got Toby Harris at the four, and they've got Marcus Morris who is playing the four. And obviously Harris is the much better option. But Allenson, you know, coming in as the backup there, he should immediately be able to take minutes off Anthony Tolliver. Um, Look, his three-point shooting wasn't great in college, but I think it can definitely project that. But he he will be a guy that hits 35% of his threes at some point in his career, and it, it's an interesting pick. Now, it's not going to have an impact this season. I don't think there's any way it does. He, he projects even if he got 30 minutes to be outside the top 150. But he, he's a player that at some point down the road, when, when Morris moves on, um, yeah, he, he could really have a an interesting role on this team. You know, he slid a fair bit. At one point, he was thought of being picked inside the top 10. Uh, earlier in the season, I think, inside the top six, he was projected, but that obviously didn't uh, didn't come to pass. Really great spot for him to fit. It's just perfect for what he does and what he doesn't do. He's not going to start. He probably won't start a game all season unless injuries hit this Pistons squad. But if you're a Pistons fan, I think at pick 18, you couldn't have hoped for anything more than getting Allison and... He really fits brilliantly with what they're going to do. I said that uh, Ngarishon Yabusele for the Celtics was a name that I was dreading having to pronounce. So is the pick 49 from the Detroit Pistons, Michael uh, Benigi from Syracuse. He is a guy that can uh, that can shoot. He's a guy that defense is going to be a struggle because he came from Syracuse. We know that zone defense is a problem and it confuses a lot of players transitioning across he is a bit of an older player, but what he can do is he can handle the ball. He can uh, be that guy that comes off the bench and maybe takes, you know, their backup point guard spot is not ideal, especially after trading Spencer Dinwiddie and they didn't get a, a, a point guard. That Stan Johnson handles the ball a bit and Benigi can handle it. I am completely... Put- if you're watching live, can you tell me how bad I'm butchering this? Even if you're watching later or listening later, how bad am I? Benigi? I, I don't know. Benigi, that Benigi. I'm gonna to have to turn that into a drop. Um, really, really good. He, he's a bigger-bodied player. Defense will be a concern, but but shooting's there, ball handling's there. Fine, 
fine pick, and we'll see how it works out. But uh, yeah, he'll find himself in a, in a relatively small role heading into next season. But that's not to say he can't develop into a genuine sort of eighth man. I think he's he has got that ability. So the Pistons should be relatively happy with their picks. And again, I think most people should be happy with their picks in this draft, given the way that it all panned out. Speaking of happy with your picks, the Golden State Warriors. At pick 30, Damian Jones from Vanderbilt. I really like the pick. Um, Jones has got a lot to uh, to, to develop. He's not, um, he's not the most you know, polished big man. But he's big. He's seven foot. He's two hundred and forty-four pounds. He can block shots. He can run. He can rim run. He shows a little bit of being able to step out and, and hit some jumpers as well. And I think that's that's obviously pretty um, pretty key. If you can do that, that's it's a it's a big step forward. Ah, someone has replied about my Benuje comment. Let's see how it is. Benuje, Benuje, Benuje. Is that right? It was uh, Max. Max Benuje, Ben Benuje, cool. Let's go with that one. Thanks, Max, for uh, watching and chiming in. I need to get this pronunciation down. Back to Damian Jones. Yeah, you know, Festus Azili. It seems pretty unlikely he's back, given the the way that Warriors used him. Bogey Andrew Bogut is injured a lot. We know they've got Draymond Green at center, and Jones he, he's not going to have to be pushed into a role straight away. But he'll play some minutes next season. It might only be two hundred minutes, but he'll play some minutes. Yeah, being able to protect the rim is something the Cavs, not the Cavs, the Warriors needed desperately against the Cavs once um, Bogut was out. And Jones could be that guy. He needs to um, needs to concentrate more. He needs to be more locked in. But really, it, it is a great situation for him. Speaking of great situations, number 38, Patrick McCaw. The Warriors bought this pick off the Bucks, and that is a great pick to me. McCaw was a guy that you know had a real chance to go inside the top 25, didn't. He was a shooting guard from UNLV. He is really skinny. He's got to work a lot on putting some weight on, but he's got time. Now, maybe maybe the pencil Harrison Barnes leaves and there's some minutes opening up on the wing and they play Clay a bit more at the three, but McCaw can contribute. He can hit some threes. He can be a, a really good defender. I think he, he led the uh, NCAA in steals per game, or if he didn't lead it, he was right up there. So he can be a guy who, who plays the passing lanes and he's a really good defender and hits the threes. And, you know, we'll... we'll probably in the next two seasons be an upgrade on Brandon Rush and be an upgrade on Leandro, Leandro Barbosa as well and is probably already an upgrade on Ian Clark but he is a, an interesting target 30 minutes a game he finds himself in the top 120 so his game is quite fantasy friendly as well you know fueled by a lot of those um a lot of those steel numbers but he is a guy that is uh, in- interesting he's got to he's got to improve on um consistency and you know, maybe some mental focus but he can shoot he's long his defense is there. He just has to get bigger. He weighs about 180 pounds, from what I understand. Uh, he needs to get bigger in in that sense. Undrafted free agents. They signed. Oh, here we go. They signed Mamadou Ndiaye, and they signed Robert Carter. I love the Robert Carter signing. He's an undersized center, but he can score. He can rebound, and it just adds another player to this team. And maybe he doesn't work out, but they need centers they need some guys in there who can help with the rebounding as well and another sign to me that Farage won't be back and so he shouldn't and maybe Festus isn't back you know Carter and Damian Jones really good infusion of youth onto this team um, in that front court situation so the Warriors it's not a case of the rich necessarily getting richer but yeah pretty bloody impressive 
the Houston Rockets. They did not themselves have a first-round pick. They had two second-rounders, though. The first one of those was number 37, and they picked Chinanu Onwaku, the center from Louisville. Dwight is gone. He His ass, it, uh, the door would have been smacking it on the way out. He declined his player option. That means it's all time to unleash Clint Capella, unless the Rockets go ahead and sign someone like Al Horford. But Onwaku is really, really interesting. I think that, and I say I say interesting for a lot of players, but he's a top 90 player by my projections if he got 30 minutes. Top 90. He's got a lot to, he's got a lot to learn. He, maybe he's more like a Capella, a first season Capella, which again was raw as, but showed tremendous potential. He is a defender. He can block a shit ton of shots. Um, interesting. A good pick, and it sort of hedges them. Is Capella the guy? Is Anwaku going to develop into the guy, or is pick forty thought pick forty three? Joe Chi from China, the um, massive, massive, massive monster from China, Joe Chi. Seven eight wingspan. Chi has he blocks a lot of shots. He can he can actually shoot. He can shoot a bit. He is... We talked about Patrick McCaw being skinny. Yeah, Chi is skinny tremendously. Now, like a lot of these internationals, or a few of them, how old is he? Is he 20? Is he 25? There's rumors that he's 25, and a lot of people said, you know what? When you weigh... When you're 7 foot 2, and you, and you barely weigh 100 kilos, and you're 25, it's just not going to happen. But we know the Rockets... We know China, that's got to be part of the pick, but the kid can play if he's actually a kid or not a not a middle-aged man, as a lot of people are anticipating. But it's going to be interesting. He has to put on weight. He has to develop. But he can sit behind um, Capella. He can sit behind Onwaku, although he's got to develop as well. Does Chi even come over this season? You would think that, that he's a shot to come over. I think that he will come over. Um yeah, really good pick really good use of the resources at 43 I could have seen him easily going in the first round and again the top 15 picks of the second round I could have said that for most of them as well really interested to see what Chi can return because he can develop he could um, again it's a bit risky I don't really have projections for him just yet because Chinese projections are a little bit tough to come by he could be a player that, that impacts fantasy leagues in the future definitely don't sleep on uh, Joe so I'm calling him Joe I am calling him Joe, but that's his name. Um, undrafted free agents. They got a couple. Isaiah Taylor out of Texas. Kyle Wiltshire from Gonzaga, which I do like that pickup. But the pick I like the most, from the, or the signing I like the most from the Rockets, Gaz Payton. Gaz Payton the second. Uh, he could have snuck into the first round. He is super athletic. He's great on defense. Is he Patrick Beverly again? Yeah, maybe. Beverly's defense has started to slide a little bit. Payton needs to be able to shoot. Um, but he is ridiculously athletic, and it's not like that the Rockets have an abundance of backup point guards. Peyton can play. Peyton can make the final roster, and Peyton can be a contributor in in leagues that, that are deep. He could absolutely do that. Just from his ability, look, he could play 20 minutes a game and get 1.2 steals, and that's going to be valuable. If he starts adding a three-point shot, and he's one of the best rebounding point guards as well, so he could rebound the ball yeah, tremendously. And playing under D'Antoni, I'm really interested in Peyton. He is a player that will go ahead in dynasty drafts to me. Plenty of the players who were actually drafted. I think it's a great signing from the Rockets and can't wait to see um, Big Gazza out there. 
or little gaza, depending on how you want to phrase it. The next team we're looking at, my screen has frozen. Where are we? The Indiana Pacers, they traded away that first round pick for Thaddeus Young, so that, that's a win for them. Um, pick 50, George Nyang from Iowa State. Fine, whatever. He sort of replaces um, Solomon Hill's role, combo 3-4 guy. He, he's 6-9, he can play a bit of small ball 4, but we're, yeah, you've got Paul George there, you've got Thad Young there, he's comfortably um, sitting behind those guys, but he can handle the ball, he can create, he can be an out-of-position creator, not necessarily Draymond Greeny, because that's a pretty lazy comparison, he's not Draymond Green, but he's not, he's not, a, he's a good gamble, I'll put it that way, he's a really good gamble for a guy that can do a few things at uh, at that spot. Because he can fit, he can be maybe a Chandler Parsonsy sort of passer from that spot. You know, Draymond's and yeah, so that option there, he can do a bit. I think it's a really good pick, given it's their only pick, and you got uh, Thad Young for pick twenty. The Pacers, you know, like the Jazz on the West, the Pacers are set to push up from the uh, seven seed. They could find themselves at the fifth seed pretty easily. Did they sign anyone? Probably should have checked that before going on. Nope, they have not signed anyone just yet. The Next team we're going to talk about is the Los Angeles Clippers. They pick pick 25, which they seem to do around that spot pretty much every season, given how good they are. Is this player they get just going to sit there like CJ Wilcox, like Reggie Bullock, and just not play for two seasons? The player they picked is Bryce Johnson, who I think it's a really good pick for them. Their backup power forward situation is not ideal. Luke Marbute, um, cool. Are they going to bring, bring big baby Davis back? I'd probably guess not. Um, Blake Griffin, is he out the door? There's been rumors of that plenty of times. Bryce Johnson made a big step forward, and players who take a big step forward in their senior season are a little bit worrisome to me, and we'll get to that when we talk about uh, Chavano Heald a little bit later. But I really liked what he could do. He can play at center a little bit as well, a small ball four. They're going to lose Cole Aldrich, um, no doubt. Aldrich is gone. But you he is an option. They could have gone in a number of directions at pick 25. Maybe it was a slight reach, but from a fantasy point of view, third player on my list. He ranks out as a top 75 guy if you played 30 minutes. So a Blake Griffin injury, which apparently now is an annual thing, we might get him Bryce Johnson, Johnson unleashed. And then he's an absolute must-add player for now. You'd have to look at him. You know, again, free agency still to come, but the Clippers don't have a massive amount of flexibility in that. Yeah, he could play 18 minutes a night, and you know, your 16-team leaguers are really going to have to pay attention because he does translate you know, pretty well in a fantasy point of view. They had two back-to-back picks in the uh, in the second round. Now, did they do a trade for picks? I get the feeling they did. Let's have a look. My screen is working extraordinarily slow. So that's not helping me. Ah, yes, they did. They traded the 33rd pick with the Pelicans in order to get pick 39 and pick 40. And with those picks, they picked David Michonneau with the first one at pick 39. He is a point guard from France. Um, Fair to say, didn't know a huge amount about about him. It it was an odd pick. Not sure how much uh, French scouting Doc Rivers has done. He's 22 years old. He averaged 5.8 points and 1.9 assists last season, shooting 27% from three. A really, really odd selection. Um, 
as uh, the guys on the Dunked On podcast like to say. They called uh, Doc Rivers GM Rock Divers. It's a very Rock Divers pick, one that just doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Johnson maybe didn't make a massive amount of sense there, but I still like it. Um, Michino, uh, Gary Payton is a guy you want in Dynasty Leagues well above Michino, and he went inside the top 40, an odd one. They need wings, the Clippers. They didn't pick any. They picked a power forward, they picked a point guard, and then they picked a center in Diamond Stone. If Matt Smith was on here, he'd be reeling out a stack of puns regarding his name and how he needs more clarity and he needs to, uh, he can withhold pressure. And Matt absolutely nailed those puns. Stone was a guy that was projected in the uh, first round. Don't like it. Um, just a horrible rebounder. Um, not a good defender. Not like he's an okay shot blocker. He's not going to play this season. And they, they do need someone who's a backup center. Maybe they give that to... Oh, I think Johnson's a bigger contributor this season than what Stone is. Stone's just a horrible rebounder. And when you're that big, you need to be able to rebound. It's just... It, it's it's just an odd... It's an odd decision. If I look at where he came out on my uh, list, he came out sort of mid-pack. So played 30 minutes, he'd find himself inside the top 150. He needs to work on a lot of things, though. He's not playing 30 minutes. Obviously, DeAndre Jordan is there, and I reckon yeah, Johnson plays a little bit of backup five as well. Um, there were wings available. Not sure why you uh, wouldn't have picked them if you are uh, if you're Rock Divers. Stone represents some value with that pick. We pick him at 39. Don't pick that Michano. That was a yeah, honestly one of the worst picks in the draft. We haven't had the worst pick in the draft yet. We'll get to that a little bit later. But an odd decision. Stone is not someone that I'm massively keen on fantasy-wise. It's going to take some situations four or five years down the track or a trade for him to really become um, useful. And even then, I think he tops out at maybe, maybe top 100. Maybe. The next pick, or the next team, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Let's get, we'll get into the meat of the draft now because this is pick two. It's Brandon Ingram. It was always going to happen. They didn't trade the pick. They he fits beautifully into that spot. Russell, if they trade Russell, um, I think they're wrong. That's a bad decision. Actually, I want, I want to just uh, sidetrack from talking about the um, the draft for a second because I watch. Well, this is still draft. I watched the MB the ESPN NBA draft preview. Mike Wilbon, um, Francis Schiller, uh, Reese Davis, who's awesome, uh, Jalen Rose. Uh, who else was on it? Some other people who, honestly, I was watching it and I I was screaming because the shit that was being espoused from their mouths, it shouldn't be broadcast. It shouldn't be broadcast on a podcast as shit as this one. It it it, it was ludicrous. I'll talk about this and I'll talk about it now. I was going to say when I talk about Buddy Heald and the Pelicans, they were they were talking about Heald should be the third player taken, and Wilbon who is at this point uh, a sack of hot air. I want healed because the only stat that matters, I look at the stats, and the stat that matters is wins. You know what doesn't matter in in translating to the NBA? Wins. Ask Tyler Hansborough, how'd that work out for him? Wins. Dickheads. They were encouraging the Lakers. You have to trade Russell. He had a bad, terrible rookie season. Has to go. He, no point. Trade him. Trade him for a, a, a pick six or whatever. Trade him. Like, are you? 
I'm really, really biting my tongue to refrain from swearing here and dropping you know, F-bombs and C-bombs all over the place. Are you joking me? He needs to get traded because he played under, let's be honest, one of the shittest coaches in the last five years, Byron Scott, who criticised him every opportunity he got. Yes, he had that issue with um, Nick Young, but at this point, who is Nick Young? He's a, he is a nobody. Russell is going to be good. He will be a top 50 fantasy player potentially this season, but in the coming seasons he will be. I just, I, I can't, I, I don't I don't know what to say anymore. I, why would you trade D'Angelo Russell? Just, these guys have jobs. These guys have jobs on TV. They wear suits. They talk. They touch telestrators. And honestly, the only thing they should be touching is their dicks because they, they did not know what they were talking about. Yeah, Jalen Rose was embarrassing on the commentary of the draft today. It just made me so frustrated and angry to watch it. The Lakers had picked two. They picked Brandon Ingram. You couldn't go wrong with picking Brandon Ingram. That is the pick. Russell, Clarkson, Ingram, Randall, and the center position I'll get to in a second, they have got a tremendous core, a really good core to work with. Now, I don't love Randall. Clarkson tops out as being a sixth man. Cool. Yep. Ingram, I'm not a, a massive... I don't think he becomes a superstar. I don't think he becomes an all-NBA player. He might become an all-star, but I think he tops out at being a really, really good really good pick. He, he's skinny. He's um, yeah, He's got to work on some stuff, but he hit threes at 41%. He's got a massive wingspan. He can block some shots. I think he's going to be an awesome fit for them at the three, and he grows with these players. Now... He's going to get 30 minutes a game. You can pretty much guarantee that. Where does he come? Because he's one of these players who is going to get 30 minutes a game. Where does he come in my way too early projections of value? If I said outside the top 175, would you be surprised? Probably. He didn't translate well at all. And again, it's really early. This has got these are, these projections I haven't taken anything into account with teammates, with coaching styles, play styles, which who they're playing with units. Any of that sort of stuff hasn't taken any of that into account. It is just statistical translations at 30 minutes. He finishes outside the top 175. People will draft him. People will draft him inside the top 100. And at this point, I am saying don't. He's probably not the second pick in a rookie dynasty draft. Now, I know in the Red Rock Dynasty League, Kevin Lappin has pick one and two, and he's going to take Simmons, and he's probably going to take Ingram at two. If I had those two picks, that's not what I would do. But Ingram does have the ability to develop, and there is a bit to show. But I'm not massively keen on him for uh, for next season. I, he will go in the top 100. There is zero doubt in my mind that Brandon Ingram is going probably inside the top 175, and it will most likely be a mistake. And I, I do really like him, and he can be a tremendous player in this league. And by his second season, I could see him being a top 100 player, but not in his rookie season. Pick 32, love it. Ivica Zubac, the center who played for Megalex. He's got an NBA out in his contract. He needs to come over. He he might not be, but he should be the starting center on this team. And if he's not, he should play 24 minutes a night. He is a monster, and his numbers translate unbelievable. He can score down low. He can rebound. He is a great fit next to uh, Julius Randle. This is as as good as a pick as you can make. Zubac is a guy that is top 20 talented. I love this pick for them. I talked about Denzel Valentine being my number one player. 
in terms of these raw projections. Number two, who was separated by one spot, one ranking spot, and, and I converted them into what I did is I did all their conversions and their, their stats and put it into last year's player pool. Zubac came out one spot, including all of last year's players, one spot behind Denzel Valentine as the number one uh, fantasy rookie. One spot. Bryce Johnson, by the way, came out five spots behind them. He was the third highest one in the Clippers guy. He was right up there. The next guy was Dario Saric, and who I included in this group as well. Zubac, depending on what the Lakers do, they shouldn't rush it in free agency. They've got some money to spend, and yeah, they might bring Al Horford in. That'd be fantastic. They might bring Hassan Whiteside in. Fantastic. But Zubac is a guy that, to me, at this early point, real early, he'd be one of the top 10 rookies that I would take. He would possibly be one of the top seven guys that I would take because not only has he got the translations there, but he, at this point, that that center spot is as, um, is as open as... I don't even know what to say. It's so it's open. It's as open as a 7-11. How's that for a shit-ass pun? Opportunity, ability, it looked good for Zubac. He is, um, there is an outside chance he is the number one fantasy rookie when all is said and done next season. If the Lakers don't have a center and they start him and play him 30 minutes, he's the guy. I was going to say you heard it here first, but you maybe heard it somewhere else. I really, really like Zubac. He can block shots. He finishes at a high rate. He's a good free throw shooter. He'll rebound the ball. He, he can score. Um, I really, really like it, and he should come over immediately. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what they do, but I, uh, I for one, can't wait. Zubac, I'm going to take a, a quick break because, as you can hear, this voice is uh, struggling, and then I'm going to be back um, to go through the rest of the NBA teams. but at least it's not dry and full of razor blades as it was before. So let's get back into the uh, NBA draft and get stuck into that. We've still got a fair few teams to go. I told you this is going to be a long one. I hope you're strapped in for uh, to listen to it. And if you get to the end of it, I'll be, uh, I'll be proud of you. I'm sure that warms the cockles of your heart. The first team we're going to look at is the Memphis Grizzlies, one of the biggest winners to me uh, of draft day. They stayed put at pick the, um, 17, and they got a guy that I really liked and I thought could have been a top 10 player, and that is... Wade Baldwin from Vanderbilt. Wade Baldwin the fourth, in fact, and I just like to see the Baldwin four on the jersey. 
Um, is Conley coming back? It, it seems to be pointing more towards no every day. And they've got insurance. And they needed insurance anyway because Jordan Farmer and Xavier Munford uh, isn't going to cut it regardless. So Baldwin is an interesting pick. He fits what they do defensively. He's extraordinarily long, a 6-1 wingspan. He can hit some threes at a decent rate. Not a great scorer, but he he's a, a guy who's a leader. His passing's okay. His defense is really good. I love the pick. Uh, it's as good as they could have done. I wanted the Bulls to pick Baldwin um, at 14. You're still relatively happy with Valentine. I wanted the Bulls to get Wade there. But yeah, at pick 17, I don't think you could have... Um, I think you could have hoped for much more from from that pick. And you know, they were probably looking at a guy like DeJounte Murray or Demetrius Jackson at that pick because they really did need a um, a point guard. And they they got one at pick 17. I think they should be really, really happy. Next, they traded that Clippers pick they got for Jeff Green for the two second rounders from the Boston Celtics. The first one of those, just ridiculous value pick 31, Deontay Davis from Michigan State, the big man. He was projected to go pick 11 in a lot of drafts and fell to 31 in the second round. It is crazy value. This guy is a mini DeAndre Jordan, block shots, alley-oops, dunks. He can shoot it a little bit, but defensively, I think he's pretty good. Um, he can. He's athletic. He's a freshman. He's got room to grow. Look, Gasol's 30-plus with a broken foot. That's not good. Um, Zach Randolph is 35 and, and literally couldn't jump over an ant at this point. Yeah, Davis, some youth. Yes, I know they've got Jerome Martin. Yes, I know they've got Jermichael Green, but Davis is better than those guys already. Now, Green showed some flashes last season, but a Jermichael Green, Deontay Davis, front court, Wade Baldwin in the back court. Finally, the Grizzlies fans can go, oh my God, we have got some young talent. And it's shit news about Jordan Adams because he might never play again with his knee cartilage issue, which is something I've literally never heard of, knee cartilage replacement. What a, what an odd situation. But Davis, um, really, really, really interested. And it, it, it's at least them signaling, you know what, let's do something for the future. Yeah, fantasy-wise, projects well inside the top 150 if he played 30 minutes. And he might not, but let's be honest, the uh, chances of Marcus Gasol hurting his foot again, they're, they're greater than zero. They're probably greater than 20% as well. Uh, he's old. He's big. He broke his foot when he's old. He was already slipping last season. He'd already lost a few steps. That contract of Gasol, even though it was signed into the lower salary cap, it might not look great in a year or two. Davis is legit starter potential. And to get him a pick 31, you couldn't be happier if you're a Memphis fan. The other pick they got from the Celtics, they should be absolutely thrilled to get another one of those players from uh, Megalix, Rade Zagorac. A guy can shoot. Hallelujah. He's not going to start, but why Why couldn't he? He could very easily start. He's 20 years old. Uh, he might stay across at Megalex, but bring him over. Get him Get him into the, the system straight away. Play him 20 minutes a night. Get him going. You've got you know, a new coach, you know, David Fisdale. Get, get Zagorac over. Yeah, maybe maybe they do, maybe they don't, but there is yeah, extraordinary opens, opens, openings on the wing. It's not going to be Matt Barnes, Tony Allen. What are they going to do? They're, they're not the future. They're not anyone's future. Zagorac, very interested. 37% uh, from three he's hit in the last two seasons for Megalex. They need shooting. This could be... Again, you add Zagorac to Baldwin, 
to Davis to Jermichael Green. And that is a really good young core. And it's probably not going to be a starting four at any point. No, that's not true. They could easily be that, but... Is there one all-star amongst this group? I would bet yes. Out of that group, there is one all-star. Now, I don't know who it is. It's most likely going to be uh, Davis, but it could easily be Baldwin. Oh, it, it is a great selection for the uh, for the Grizzlies to get themselves Rade Zagorac at pick 35. I'm trying to work out whether I projected him in my uh, projections or not. I think I did. Where is he? Uh, maybe I didn't. I didn't project everyone out just yet, which I will obviously go into as, as we get all the stuff for Basketball Monster set up. I didn't do uh, Zagorac just yet, so no, he's not on my list, but interesting. Then, pick 57, Wang Jilin from China, a center. Seven foot, yeah, he's not uh, he's not coming over. He's not coming over for a while. He is too thin. He needs to develop offensively. He is, he's got no hope. Maybe he comes over and plays in the D-League, but correct me if I'm wrong, the Grizzlies don't have a D-League affiliate at this point, do they? I don't think they do. Um, cool. We're not seeing uh, Wang Xi Lin for a couple of seasons, if at all, but they went for upside, and that's uh, completely fine. The Milwaukee Bucks. I would have said that this was the worst pick of the lottery, but then I remembered Sacramento exists. Pick 10. Thon Maker. The Grizzlies hit on Giannis Antetokounmpo when people went, shit, can't say that name, and who is this guy? Maker, everyone knows. Everyone knows of him for the last three years. An insanely hyped high school prospect. We haven't seen him play against anybody. How old is he? Reports came out in the last couple of days. He's 25 years old. If he's 25 years old and he was destroying high school kids then... A, you've got a you've got a real problem, you know, self-esteem-wise, but that doesn't mean a great thing for his uh, future. Pick ten. They love a wingspan in Milwaukee, and he is just super athletic. He is a point guard in a seven-one body with a seven-six wingspan. That's what he is. He handles the ball. He can dribble the ball. He is ridiculously fast. Uh, point maker, point thon, pointathon. Yeah, doesn't work. He can shoot. He can shoot threes. And they need a big man who can shoot threes. So I understand that. Yeah, John Hanson, Greg Munro, they can't do that. Giannis can't do that. Their team can't do that. But Maker can. But he needs to improve a lot. He's not going to have to start straight away. Giannis will be there at the four. Munro or Hanson or even Plumlee will be there at the five. He's got an opportunity uh, to to grow, especially if they do move on from Munro. Um, and how they want to structure their team up, whether they do play Giannis at the four, or not even Giannis, Jabari Parker, sorry, at the four. He's going to have to play center if he plays anything maker, but he needs to put on a lot of weight. He needs to work on his smarts. He, um, It's going to take a while for him to really start to work work out. I'm not overly confident on it. It seems like it's one of the, uh, one of the worst picks, one of the weakest picks in the lottery anyway, but it, maybe the maybe it's real. Maybe the hype is real. Maybe the mixtapes were real. Maybe it, he's just been hiding himself, and he's going to come and and tear tear the NBA a new one. Yeah, it's always a possibility. A, a pretty low key possibility, but a possibility nonetheless. So um, interesting pick. Just don't uh, 
yeah, for fantasy, you can forget about it. That's not happening inside the top 20 dynasty picks for me. Pick 36, I do like that. Malcolm Brogdon, um, he was a chance to go in the first round. Pick 36, great, great leader, superb defender. Now, they've got great defenders all over the place, but he can play the two, and at the two, they don't... Um, well, that's, you know, I was going to say they don't because I get confused with their positions. Chris Middleton's at the two, so they've got an awesome player. Chris Middleton's in Melbourne, by the way. So if you listen to this, Chris, uh, hello. Maybe I'll see you at our Basketball Without Borders this weekend. But Brogdon uh, has issues. He His athleticism is a real concern, but defensively superb. Three-point shooter is superb. And do they need three-point shooting? Jesus, they need so much three-point shooting. And he really could be that guy that can play. Um, you, know, you could play him in Middleton along with Giannis, along with Parker, because you've got you know, Giannis handling the ball. And the concern with Giannis being a point guard, which he's not, he's a point forward, but he can't guard point guards. Cool. Brogdon, you can go guard them. Middleton, you're on the two. Giannis, you guard the three. Parker, you pretend like you're guarding the four. And then you're Henson at the five or, or Monroe. But smart player, handles the ball a little bit as well and should get minutes almost almost straight away. It won't be massive amounts, but 20 is fine. OJ Mayo might not be around next season. General Grievous Vasquez likely won't be around. So there's minutes opening up in that backcourt. Jared Bayless is another one who might not be there. They obviously still need someone as a point guard, but Brogdon can defend point guards. And in a lineup with Giannis, I don't hate it. Now, how does Brogdon project from a... Um, uh, from a fantasy point of view, his steals uh, are interesting. They didn't really translate last year. He's outside the top 200, so he's not someone that i really ever seen putting up top 120 sort of numbers. I think that that would be a struggle, but it's a smart pick from the organization. You, you cannot fault that at all. Next up, the Minnesota Timberwolves. There is going to be a lot of takes in this one from me because I've got a lot to uh, I've got a lot to say. I've already mentioned about the um, the trade, and I think the Wolves should have done it. They really like Chris Dunn. Obviously, it's who they picked at pick five, and that trade still may happen. They've also said they're going to play him alongside Ricky Rubio, and the reports came out that they want to trade Ricky Rubio. And that's what pisses me off. Rubio, and a lot of people like Dunn. They really like him. And that's fine. I'm not completely sold on him. And yes, he's clearly the best point guard in this draft, but this draft's terrible for point guards. They're, they is literally terrible. He would probably be the fifth point guard maybe in next year's draft. There's some stud point guards coming through. He'd be the fifth point guard there. So when you frame it that way, it doesn't look so good, does it? He's three years, old, three years younger than Rubio. He has shoulder issues. He missed a whole season of college, bar five games for shoulder issues. Yes, he played pretty decently the last couple of years. Can't shoot. Better shooter than Rubio. Also can't shoot. Rubio hit you know, a really good percentage of his threes second half of the year. Like, really good. Dunn's a good defender. You know who's a better defender? Ricky Rubio. And Ricky Rubio is... A very polarizing player. Probably 70% of you guys listening or following me on Twitter think he's trash. He's got to go. Dunn's the guy. Rubio's useless. Oh, I don't want to sound aggressive, but you're wrong. Rubio's not useless. Rubio is an upper-tier point guard. He is the best, maybe second-best defensive point guard in the NBA. He is 
second best passing point guard in the NBA, and his shooting took strides. He is the perfect guy to fit with Towns, to fit with Wiggins, um, to set these guys up. Dunn is 50% the passer than what Rubio is. He's an okay passer. He's a really good defender, and Thibodeau loves that. But again, I saw reasonings. Oh, Thibodeau's picking him at pick five because Thibodeau wants defense. He needs defense out of his point guard spot. He's already got the best defensive point guard in the league. He's not struggling for defense at the point guard spot. Dunn and Rubio together is a weird fit. It, um, it Dunn's got a big body. He is strong. Um, and he look, he is going to be a key contributor. And maybe you know it takes three years for him to get a starting gig. And that's completely fine. You're building depth. And you're going to turn into a, a just <laughs> a scary as shit team. Because if you've got Dunn, it comes on and plays 20 minutes. And Rubio plays 30. And Levine and Wiggins and Towns and, and whoever else you got there. You'd be a lot scarier if you had Butler. But... I can uh, I can understand I can understand the move. I personally would have taken Jamal Murray because his team team needs to hit threes and needs to hit him at a good rate. And yes, Dunn was not a terrible shooter last season, but he's also not a good shooter. And I think there's there's a difference. There. And yeah, Rubio is a horrible shooter who improved to not a good shooter, and that's sort of the level Dunn is at now. I would have them in Dunn still higher there, but Rubio is just so much better of a passer. Better, better court vision and better defender, and that's saying something for the best defensive point guard in this class. That is how good Rubio is, and it really it doesn't bother it doesn't bother me because everyone's entitled mm-hmm. to an opinion. But um, a, a lot of people don't like Rick. They just they just don't like him. They just look at it and go, he's he's a trash shooter. Cool. He's also the best passer and best defensive point guard in the league who's shooting improved and he's a good free throw shooter. Dunn, I'm I'm honestly, I'm just not um I'm not convinced. I, I'm not uh, I'm not convinced he will be the guy that makes Ricky Rubio get traded. maybe he is I'm not sure he's I'll phrase it again. I'm not sure that Dunn is the guy that should make Ricky Rubio get traded. He might make Rubio get traded because Thibodeau goes, we want Dunn as our guy. And you're, and you're adding a young piece. But Rubio's 25. He's not old. He's 25 years old. 25. Dunn is 22. By the time he finishes his rookie contract, he'll be like 26 years old, I think. Maybe to, yeah, close to 27. Have a look at his percentages. He shot 37% from three this year. It's pretty good. His overall field goal percentage was 45. He shot 48% on twos. It's not bad. His assist numbers were okay. Really, really good steal numbers. And he he's, he translates really well. He's a top 100 player if he played 30 minutes, but I just don't think he's playing 30 minutes. Could I see him playing 27 minutes? Yeah. Could would you would I draft him in the last three rounds of a standard league draft? Yeah, I would. Would I draft him inside the top 100? No, I wouldn't, because I just don't have confidence in getting 100, 100, getting 30 minutes. Put him in Chicago. He's unquestionably the starter. He's unquestionably getting 30 plus minutes, and he is for sure a top 100 player in that situation for sure. Whether that trade goes down or not remains to be seen, but. He, he he translates you know, pretty decently well. He translates higher than what Ben Simmons does you know, inside the top 100 for 30 minutes a game. I, I think that, that there is a lot to like with him. The injuries are a concern, you know. And I'm not saying he's injury prone. It's just you got to watch that shoulder. 
And this is another thing that pisses me off with Rubio. And I had a conversation with people. He's injury prone. He's not. And you know I detest the tag injury prone. Detest it. Rubio tore his ACL. Yep, missed a shitload of time. Cool. That happens. Players tear their ACLs. Hasn't had knee problems since then. Rubio suffered torn ankle ligaments. Severely torn ankle ligaments. Cost him all of last season. Or the season before. Shit injury. Bad. Didn't happen again. Hadn't happened previously. He's not injury prone. He suffered two massive, massive lower leg injuries. Two. That weren't related to each other. They weren't the same knee being ripped open again. Different different parts. And yes, the ankle might have been related to the knee, changing gait, you know, protecting the knee, all that sort of stuff, yes. But he's not injury prone to me. He suffered two catastrophic injuries. Is Russell Westbrook injury prone? Well, some of you will say yes. Westbrook hurt his knee. Westbrook broke his face. Westbrook broke his hand. Is he injury prone? What, because he had multiple injuries? That's not how it works to me. So... Your criticism of Rio, he can't shoot. Fine. He can't defend. False. Injury prone. False. Chris Dunn. Injuries. They're, a cons- they're, they're an issue as well. And then they're not an, an issue for me to worry about him being picked fifth. I'm absolutely fine with them taking him. Take the pick. And I, I think it's fine. But my issue comes with people saying, Rubio's got to go now because Chris Dunn's here. Like, the, the kid hasn't set foot on a court yet. And you want to get rid of Ricky Rubio, who's a kid himself. That's my concern. And again, many of you will disagree with this. I should put up a Twitter poll about this because 75% will be against me. Watch Rubio. Don't worry about his shooting. He doesn't shoot. He creates points by being a uh, visionary. He stops points by being a superb defender. Superb. And Dunn is a really good defender and he's super aggressive and a good leader and is going to be really good for this team moving forward and whether that means trading Rubio but it is not an automatic Rick pack your bags see you later you're gone because we've got the next best thing best point guard in this draft absolutely but he's also a senior yeah again did he have these big numbers because he was beating up on 19 year olds and there's a possibility in that as well and that's something you really have to consider with seniors too now it works for some of them Dame Lillard yep worked for him he beat up on seniors and then beats up on the NBA. Plenty of players that it doesn't. Uh, Doug McDermott he beat, beat it up on uh, beat up on nineteen year olds. How's he uh, How's he going beating up on the NBA? Doesn't quite work that way. But overall, I, I I do like the pick because I do like Chris Dunn and this makes it sound like I don't like him. I, I really do. And his trade could go down. And if the Bulls got him, there is a Dunn jersey. It is wrapping itself tightly around my torso if that happens. New Orleans Pelicans, they, we'll cover it now. They did sign um, an undrafted player. I just got to find it on my list. Cat Barber from NC State. <laughs> really? Yep, yep, fine. Love it. They need some point guard depth, obviously. Um, Drew Holiday, injury prone. Tyreek Evans. Now, Drew Holiday, injury prone. The same leg, constantly injured. They don't care about the face. That's a fluke thing. Tyreek Evans, injury prone. The same knee, always happening. That's, to me, the definition of injury-prone. If your same thing just keeps getting injured, that is a problem. And maybe maybe I'm using the term of injury-prone wrong. I don't care if someone gets unlucky. He got punched in the face and his face broke. Cool. 
Oh, Derek Rose broke his face. Derek Rose is injury prone because of his knees, and not because he got broken a broken face. Cat Barber really liked the pick. He, he's a super aggressive point guard, decent scorer. I think it's a, a nice pick for the Pelicans. Let's get into the actual draft. They had pick six. Chavano Ranier Hield from the Bahamas, also known as Buddy. I'm not calling him Buddy. I want to call him Chav. Can I call him Chav? Chav Hield. Didn't like it. They were always going to take him. They're always. He's going to get a shit ton of minutes. Eric Gordon's gone. Heald's old. But did he beat up on opposition like Chrissy Dunn? Mm, yeah. Was he a lottery prospect in his junior season? No. Was he considered an NBA draft prospect at all as a freshman or sophomore? No. He's 22 years old. He hit an insane amount of threes. I don't want one person coming to me and saying he's the next Steph Curry because that is ludicrous. He hit a lot of threes and he was he was big. And as Wilbon said, he got the W's. Why don't you pick him one then, Wilbon, you dick? He I don't think I would have had healed in my top ten, to be honest. Um maybe not. Maybe pick eight, pick nine. Yeah. But not here. Not ahead of Jamal Murray. I would have taken Murray. Murray handles the ball. Murray's younger. Yeah, he can't handle the ball. He's not a point guard. Um he'll shoot. And I think his best role tops out as a as a sixth man, as a maybe a seventh man, maybe as a 25-minute shooter. Is he going to turn into a player who's shooting is that good? Or is he going to turn into Anthony Morrow, who hits 45% from three and can't get on the court because he's shit house in every other area? That's the risk with uh, with Chav, with Chavano. He'll hit some threes. The crowd will get hyped. I'll probably end up with a Buddy Hill jersey to hang up on the wall because I think it's interesting to see what he does. But I don't like it. It is a pick. For fantasy, he should be a top 100 player. He's got a real chance. Um, minutes, talent, opportunity. Like he, he projected out out of the guys I did as the sixth best player. But aside from Zubac, he's got the clearest roles for minutes. The other guys ahead of him, you know, Valentine, Bryce Johnson, Onwaku, and Dario Saric, they're the guys that are ahead of him. Onwaku's not playing 30 minutes. Johnson's not playing 30 minutes. Saric isn't playing 30 minutes. Valentine's not playing 30 minutes. Zubac might. Yeah, Heald might be the first rookie off the board. But there is a legit argument to be made that his season as a rookie will be the best season he ever has. That's a legit chance. And you don't give a shit about that in a redraft format. Where do you draft him? If he goes inside the top 60, you can forget about it. I think he's more of a guy that you want to pick in that eighth round. Um, maybe maybe the ninth, maybe the ninth round. Yeah, probably yeah, that sort of range. And it can translate. He's going to hit threes. He rebounds actually decently well for his position. Free throw percentage is pretty good. Scoring will be okay. But there's a steep learning curve. And seniors, it's a, it's a relatively steeper learning curve. They're always going to make the pick. I think it's the wrong pick in my mind, but I'm not an NBA GM yet. Pick 33, Sheikh Diallo, the big man from Kansas who barely played. They um, they moved up. They've traded those two uh, second-round picks to the Clippers to get to this pick, um, with which the Clippers, Clippers then uh, blew. Didn't play, so we don't really know what to expect from him in the NBA. He has got legit first-round talent, no doubt. They needed picks. They needed wings, though. They got Anthony Davis. Omar Ashik. They got Omar Ashik, but he's shit house. They got Alexia Jinsa. Um 
Maybe they just thought the value was just too much. Pick a wing. Pick a backup point guard. Yeah, they got a wing in healed. They need another wing. They need a small forward. They need a 3 and D guy. Pick Tim McCaw. That's that's the guy you need at that spot, not Sheikh Diallo. His fantasy value is all right. He's almost a top 100 player if he gets 30 minutes. But actually, I'll say this. There's a chance that he is starting next to Anthony Davis by March. Ashik's terrible. Ejins is really good. They don't give him enough playing time. There's a chance Diallo starts. He's also got a ripper name, Diallo. There's a chance that he, he could start by the end of the season. And, yeah, that's fine. You're definitely not drafting him and in uh, standard leagues. But I think he should be a relatively high dynasty pick because yeah, the pieces of crap that are in front of him, Kendrick Perkins, Omar Ashik, yeah, I'm not going to include Ejinsa in that because he, he's one of my boys, Alexi. How bad did that look? Um, you didn't see that on the uh, on the podcast, but I just uh, gave myself a chest tap. Don't know why. I'm delirious. My voice is going. Diallo. Yeah, interesting dynasty target. Really, um, we just don't know at this point. But he, he is a, a boom or bust pick. He could just be completely shit. Maybe Bill Self was right. Or maybe Bill Self was stubborn. Let's wait and see how that goes. But they needed wings. Alonzo G and Dante Cunningham. And even James Ennis. It's just not going to cut it. Now is where we get to it. This is where the shit goes down. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Serge Ibaka's gone. Now, a lot of people will be wanting to know, and I'm pretty sure there's a question about this in the questions later, but I'm going to cover it now. Who won the trade between the Orlando Magic? Let's go through the trade. The Orlando Magic gave up Ersan Ilyasova. They gave up Demantis Sabonis. They gave up Victor Oladipo in exchange for Serge Ibaka. Who won the trade? Who won the trade? Is it possible for me to say nobody? Can I say they both lost? Can I say it made them both worse? Because I think it did. Let's talk about the Thunder. They lose Serge Ibaka. Yeah, Serge Ibaka had a a really poor season, fantasy-wise, statistically. And he struggled at times in the playoffs. But he's a shot-blocking three-point shooter who is a perfect third fiddle on this team. Perfect. Perfect. Does this piss Russ off? Does it piss KD off? It's a possibility. Hey, sorry, guys. Surge is gone. Um, we're going to put the guy with alligator arms from, from Gonzaga in as your power forward. Donuts who? Like, will they be pissed? Maybe. Players have some odd thoughts on other players at times, and that really... Bo- if you want some, if you want entertainment, go on and look at Gilbert Arenas' Instagram and read his take on the Derrick Rose trade. He acts like Derrick Rose is legit still an MVP. Players are, in Gilbert Arenas is, if we're going to be truthful, he, he's he's not right. He's not right in a lot of ways. But read that take on the Derrick Rose trade from Gilbert Arenas. And that should remind you never, never to listen to anything a player says about anything, especially one who's not in the league anymore. You know who Dwight Howard wanted his power forward? Big Baby Davis. Dwight, you don't know what you're talking about. Don't listen to players. They don't know what they're talking about. Majority of the time, they do not know what they're talking about. LeBron. Give me Shabazz Napier. He's the best point guard in the draft. Yeah, not so much, LeBron. He's not good. On July 22nd... My dad joined Starfleet because he believed in it. I joined on a dare... 
From director Justin Lin of Fast and Furious and producer J.J. Abrams. What the hell is this? This is where the frontier pushes back. We got no ship, no crew. Hold on to something! Firewell, do it, do it! Star Trek Beyond, starring Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Simon Pegg, and Idris Elba. In cinemas everywhere, July 22nd. They make weird choices. Gilbert Arenas' rant was weird. Anyway, Serge is gone. We'll talk about him more when we get to the Orlando Magic. But um, Sabonis isn't a room protector. What do they do? Do they? Did do, do they? Did Sam Prezi just <clears throat> seriously go? Well, we beat the Thunder by just ramming Stephen Adams and Ennis Cantor's dick down the opposition's throat. Let's just do it full time because it's not going to work. I love Cantor more. I say as much as the next man, more than the next man. I really like Cantor. But you can't run those guys 30 minutes a night every night. Does KD play the four? Cool. Then who's the three? Robertson? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Robertson's the four, who was tremendous in the playoffs. Sabonis, is Sabonis the starting four, who really had some dominant games in college? Yeah, pretty good rebounder. Hits yeah, decent mid-range. Can't hit threes that well. You know, he can hit him sort of. A decent scorer. Pretty good rebounder. But what? I I I just I I don't see the Thunder winning this trade. And I haven't even talked about the the main piece of it yet. Ersanelli is over fine. He comes in as a stretch for he'll have a little bit of value to be honest. He had a team option, and I think the Thunder are going to pick that option up. He will come in and and be a, a guy who can stretch a little bit and do a little bit of that um, work uh, for a Barker. And that yeah, you know, that what a Barker did, but. No one's replacing his rim protection. Adams really emerged, and I think Adams is going to be... Yeah, it should be a comfortable top 100 player next season. Cantor probably as well. But I still think they lost the trade. I think the Magic lost the trade as well. Victor Oladipo. He was going to be a top 20 player this year. No doubt, in my mind. He was, I think, top 10 or top 12 over the second half of the season. He was freed of the um, mindless tinkering of Scott Skiles. He had a good coach. He had Frank Vogel. It was time for him to whip his dick out in front of the league and go, I'm here, boys. This is my team. Let's get ready. He could have, in fact, just said, let's get to it. it. He could have done that. But instead, he heads across to Oklahoma City. And he has to share the ball with 30-plus percent usage of Ross Westbrook, 30-plus percent usage of Kevin Durant. He becomes a third wheel and a really good third wheel, but you're wasting his talent. You're not replacing the rim protection that Serge Ibaka gives you. You're not replacing, to a degree you are, you're not replacing the stretch fouriness. You're adding in a shooting guard who can't shoot that well. It's not true. His shooting was not too bad. And is... Should be a good defender, but not quite a good defender yet. What are you going to do with Dion Waiters? Are you going to sign him to an extension? Oladipo will not be a top 20 player. Yeah, no chance. He might struggle to be a top 50 player. He's just not going to have the ball in his hands. And he, he just isn't. 
is a sad day for Victor Oladipo's fantasy value. He might love being on this team. He probably loves the trade. I get to play with KD. I get to play with Ross. His numbers are going to suffer. And then he's going to be up for an extension next season as well. Now, Serge Barker was an unrestricted free agent, like Russell Westbrook is. Hey, if Russ leaves, then it's all on with, with Payne and, uh, and Oladipo in the backcourt then. And, uh, it's brilliant. He's back to a top 20 guy. But at the moment... It's not a good season for Oladipo owners. You should be really buying low on Oladipo, though, in Dynasty. Like, super low. Super low. You, you expect these... Yeah, that he, try and convince him that he's going to be outside the top 100, which is a, a distinct possibility. If Ross leaves, then it's back to top 20. That's uh, that's it. Now, Sabonis... Um, I, I doubt he starts, but he could. He could very well start and Cantor comes off the bench. They could very well start KD at the four. That's the other option they've got, and play Robertson at the three. Go with Westbrook, Oladipo, Robertson, um, Durant, and and Adams. Only one, one, only one of those guys can shoot threes, though, so that's a that's a problem. They bought a pick as well, pick fifty six, Daniel Hamilton, the wing from Connecticut. Um, just a bit more depth. Their wings, you know, Kyle Singler was terrible. Um, Anthony Morrow was uh, was pretty useless as well. Maybe Waiters returns. Who knows if, he, if he's going to um, return. He he struggles with defense. He struggles with his shooting. But he can be okay. But it's pick 56. I wouldn't be expecting too much from Daniel Hamilton. If we go back to Sabonis in terms of his projections, he looks to be a top 140 player in 30 minutes. Probably unlikely. Um, probably unlikely that he uh, gets to 30 minutes, but he's going to be a decent fantasy contributor who will have multiple top 100 seasons throughout his career. I'll be convinced of that. And yeah, you should be looking at him as definitely a top 15 dynasty target, I think. And that's not saying much, but you know, he was picked at picked 11. There are players that I would have above him for their production and their role. Maybe he's a top 10 player. Yeah, it's maybe a bit of a bit of a push. Did anyone for the Oklahoma City Thunder sign as an uh, undrafted guy? This podcast is going for ages, guys. Maybe I should break into two spots. Nah, let's keep going. Let's power through. We've done uh, 19 teams, I think. The Orlando Magic. I said I didn't like it for the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't like it for the Orlando Magic either. You are taking away your best player, Victor Oladipo, um, and you're adding Serge Ibaka which is great in theory, and I think Ibaka then becomes the best player on this team. But why are you, trading, why are you getting a guy who's 27 years old in the last year of his contract for a player that you had match rights as a restricted free agent and could have kept? And let's be honest, in three years' time, Oladipo, well, two years' time, Oladipo will, will be the better player. You've got a power forward of the future. His name's Aaron Gordon. He's 21 years old. You've got Nick Vucevic, who is a deadly scorer, a solid defender, not good, maybe average. But there was whispers coming out as soon as Frank Vogel got the job that he's not going to like Vucevic there. Maybe Vuce is gone. Maybe he's a bench player. Maybe he's Ennis Cantor. Maybe Serge Barker's the starting center. And Barker's going to get a rise in fantasy value, no doubt. Does this kill Gordon? Does it kill Vucevic? It kills one of them. I don't know who it is, but it kills one of them. Unless they all play 30 minutes a night, which is possible, but it's going to reduce Vucevic from being a top 30 guy to a top 60 guy. Yeah, Barker might become a top 50 player. Yeah, Gordon might struggle to crack the top 75. It is weird. What it does is that your shooting guard position is just blank. Evan Fournier was definitely going to come back. I thought he was definitely coming back anyway, but he played the three. 
But there was a guy they picked pick five last year. His name's Mario Hazonia. That when Oladipo was out, he got a chance to start, and he looked pretty good. And he is going to start at the three, most likely, and Fournier will start at the two. They will have a very international starting five with Fournier, with Hazonia, and with Ibaka. And Vucevic, perhaps, as well. Hazonia will be a top 100 player next season. I'm um, pretty, uh, pretty confident of that. He is a. It's going to be tough to acquire him by low in dynasty now, but he will be a, a real. He'll be. He should be drafted in all redrafts at this point. Hazonia. We've got to remain, wait and see what happens. Um. I think both teams lost this trade. You'll find ninety-five percent, and ninety-five percent of you listening to that will be going. The Thunder won. Josh, what are you talking about? The Thunder won. I just don't know how Oladipo fits. He doesn't help defensively. Um. And then the Magic got a 27-year-old free agent to be and traded away their best player to do it. And their pick 11 in the draft. So not only did they trade away their best player, who it could be argued is the best player in the deal, they gave away pick 11 as well, Sabonis. And SNL is over, who cares? Like The player you gave away to get Tobias Harris, you got traded. Think about that. Jennings is gone. So you traded... Ursan for Toby Harris and then you put him so half of Toby Harris Victor Oladipo and Demantis Sabonis for one year of Serge Ibaka Rob Hannigan still got a job by the way um, Hyde Scott Skiles still got a job I don't want people to lose their job but f- f- seriously you need to work on it at pick 41 the Orlando Magic picked Steven Zimmerman he is a center who can score he is um a horrific, horrific defender. What, what does he do? He, he comes in, and if Vucevic is there, he plays behind Vucevic and Ibaka and Gordon. So at best, he's a fourth big. Dwayne Dedman might be a better player than Zimmerman at, at this point, but he he's a stretch guy that doesn't hit shots, and that needs to happen for Zimmerman. I'm not massively high on him. I was... At the start of the season, I was very interested to see what Zimmerman could do, but dropped off a, a fair bit in terms of what he can produce now. So not not a, yeah, at that pick, at that pick though, it's fine. He projects outside the top two hundred in thirty minutes, and there's zero chance of him getting thirty minutes a night. It is an okay pick. It works some depth in the in the front court as well. Yeah, I probably shouldn't hate it too much, but it's just I just hate the entire thing. They also signed Alex Poitras as an undrafted free agent. He was one of the top recruits in the country a couple of years ago. I remember drafting him on uh, on 2K13, maybe. I can't remember what it was when you, know, you use the user-created draft classes. I drafted him at pick six, I think, in that draft. Um, didn't turn out that way for Poitras. He's got a lot of potential. There is an opening now on the wing. He's got a chance to make the make it stick on this roster. So that's a, that's a good signing. He, he had to stick somewhere, and uh, I think it's a good spot for him to go. The Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, we knew. Well, I knew. Majority of you knew that Ben Simmons was going number one. He went number one. They had that option to get pick three for Nerlens Noel, which is just, why wouldn't the Celtics take it? Why would the Sixers offer it for a start? And why wouldn't the Sixers take it? They need to get um, themselves a point guard, obviously. Um, how that happens remains to be seen. Simmons will handle the ball a lot. Simmons will be good. Simmons has got a chance to be a real star, a chance to be a superstar. You work your team around Simmons. 
Yeah, Simmons and Embiid could be a, a monster front court. Simmons and Noel could be a monster front court. Simmons and Okafor, not so much. Um, not high on Okafor, as you're well aware. There's moves still got to come in Philadelphia. But if they're all remaining there and Saric comes over too, then Simmons might not approach 30 minutes a night. He might be a guy that gets 27. In my 30-minute projections, he found himself inside the top 100. Not the top rookie, but he's up there. And he will get drafted. But he will get drafted too high. I can almost guarantee you that he will go inside the top 70 and potentially the top 60. He will go too high and you want no part of that. I don't really see how he becomes a top 50 player. And that's not what you should do. But he is going to be really good. I think he's a jumper. He'll be fine. I think his shooting will be fine. I think the mentality stuff for him is fine. I don't think there's any concern with that. Yeah, he might be somewhat of a shit bloke, but I think he's fine. I think it's a. it was the smart pick. It was the obvious pick. It will be the right pick. And looking forward to it. Now, at 24 and 26, the Sixers went full home run on these picks. 24, Timotei Luawu. My boy, Luawu. He's 21 years old. He's French. He's a wing. He can defend. He can hit threes. He can pass. He can do a lot. He is a Nick Batumi sort of player. And again, that's lazy because he's French, but it's the sort of wings that French people produce. Evan Fournier can pass, can shoot, can score. He hit 36% of his threes last year. Now, he's a little bit streaky, but they need wings. They need someone who can shoot, and Luau's the guy. Could he be the starting two by the end of the season ahead of uh, Sauce Castillo? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't mind Stauskas. I think he's got some ability, but Luau, that is a, that is a rip-off at pick 24. Rip-off. Now, he might not even come across. He should, because they need wings, but he might not. But I think that he's definitely coming across, would be my guess. Then at 26... This is a bigger steal. How in the Firkin hell did Firkin Firkin Corkmars slip to 26? Now, the dude is young. He's like 18. He barely played for Anadolu FS in Turkey. But he hits the three. He's big. He's 6'7. He handles the ball. He hit 42% of his threes last year, 40% this year. Maybe he, he gets stashed. Kid is going to be good. He He's going to be really good. If you're in a dynasty and you can afford waiting, Korkmaz is going to be good. He's going to come across, and he's going to play himself into a position where he can play 30 minutes a night. I really... The international players in this draft, I do really like a lot. Now, at the moment, Furkan Korkmaz's translations are not ideal. Second worst out of everyone that I did. He's got a lot of room to grow. And when I do the translations after he spends another two years in Europe, maybe, they'll look a lot better. It is a great pick. He could very easily have gone in the lottery. I wouldn't have hated the Bulls taking him at 14. The Nuggets should have, could have grabbed him at 15. Yeah, I think it's an awesome pick for the Sixers. Yeah, Simmons, you couldn't get any better than what the Sixers did. Simmons, Luawu, and Korkmaz, you couldn't have done any better than that. It is really... Yeah, a superb haul. Um, I can't, I can't say enough about how good I think that, the, or how well the um, the Sixers did in that draft. It is absolutely superb to me. Phoenix Suns. Huh. At pick four, this is the perfect situation for them. 
Dragan Bender, the seven foot one Croatian from I completely blanked on the name of his team. Uh, that'll come to me. Who's, who does who does Bender play? Why I keep getting and Anadolu FS in my team, in my in my brain. Where did he? Ah, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, who's an awesome team in Israel. He didn't play much, but you know what he can do? He's seven one. He can block shots. Not an awesome defender, but he's a great perimeter defender. So switching is fine for him. Can shoot threes. Um, can pass. Can dribble. Is fast. Third best player in this draft. You got him at pick four. Could be an all star. They need a four. He's going to play, and he's going to play immediately. Yeah, they might not bring back Mirza Talidovic. He's a chance to get twenty eight minutes a night here, and he he will be a player that you draft in rounds eleven to thirteen. He projects out as a top 100 guy in my projections, ahead of Dunn and ahead of Simmons, if they all play the same amount of minutes. I love, I can't love this pick enough for Phoenix. The problem is, he plays power forward. Um, and they made a trade to get another power forward. They traded pick 13. They traded pick 28. And the rights to Bogdan Bogdanovich, who isn't coming over this season, which was a real bummer. I'm not sure if uh, Vlade Divac saw that memo that Bogdan's not coming across. Uh, maybe maybe Vlade can convince him to come across. They traded him and those two picks to the Sacramento Kings. There was whispers that Brendan Knight was involved, but he wasn't. And they got back pick eight. Now the Kings, what are you doing? I understand that you didn't want to pick at pick uh, eight because Marquis Chris didn't actually you know what I'll talk Kings in a sec the Suns got Marquis Chris power forward is an opening for them and you know what if you have two picks in the top eight fine take them both at the same spot what's a bust rate on players it's pretty high these guys are both going to be stars maybe one of them is and you've just doubled your chances that you get at least a, a, a starter level all star player you've doubled your chances now Chris is not a guy that I love he's a, a terrible rebounder a terrible could him and Bender play together yeah maybe but probably not but he hits threes he's ridiculously athletic I think he's going to take three years to really develop into someone who you can consider a reliable player but he's pretty good I think he's got I think he's got a lot of upside but there's a massive massive bust potential with Chris um not sure what um, yeah, not, yeah, it, it was, it's a no-brainer to get back to pick 8 if they really want a Chris and I understand the rationale um, how does Chris project not as well as what um, as what Bender does but still inside the top 140 so I think that's pretty handy but he's not going to be getting 30 minutes now both of them are raw could any of them get 30 minutes next year no are they they're more likely to play say 20 each um, and then and rotate someone else in, unless someone really stands out. And I think if anyone's going to play the more minutes this year, it's potentially Chris. Bender is by far the better player, by far the better prospect. He's also stupidly young, so don't get too worked up if he doesn't play too much. But Bender in a dynasty, I, I do really like the acquisition there. Chris is not someone I'd be super high on having in my top ten in uh, in dynasty for rookies. But you don't give you give me up Bogdanovich, who's not coming over, and pick thirteen and twenty eight. Fine, you go out nothing to do it. It's a fine risk. Pick thirty-four. The Suns 
thought, you know what? The last time we picked an insanely small point guard and ran with three point guards, it worked out fine. And what I've got in my head is that in that meme of that dog sitting in the room where it's on fire. That's what I imagine Ryan McDonough is thinking. Isaiah Thomas, Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, have worked perfectly. Let's grab another guy who's not only 5'9", but weighs about half of what Isaiah Thomas does. Now, Tyler Eulis is really good. But what the hell is he going to do in Phoenix? We hear rumors Bledsoe's getting traded, Knight's getting traded. That's all fine. And maybe, just maybe, they do get traded. And then you play, Eulis could become a starting point guard. He could break the mold, even though the mold's been broken, but he could be a starter. He is tremendously tough. He is a good pass, a great passer, a really good scorer. Um, and play him alongside Bledsoe and Booker. You know, Euless and Booker, we saw them play together last year at Kentucky. Worked out pretty well for those guys. They've got familiar... Everyone went to Kentucky on this team. They love Kentucky, Bledsoe and Knight. Their whole backcourt is from Kentucky. Um, but Weird. Moves are still to come. Now, Euless, he's, if nothing changes, he's obviously not having an impact. He's a top 175 guy, barely, in terms of what his projections come out to be at this again, early, these early stage projections, so don't get too worked up about it. But, yeah, unlikely for him to have an impact in the next two years, would be my, would be my guess. Did the uh, Phoenix Suns sign anyone? Pretty sure they didn't. Nope. All right. Interesting draft from Phoenix. Can't wait to talk about Sacramento. Only got a couple of teams left, guys, so keep uh, sticking with it. The... Who is this one? The Portland Trailblazers, they bought themselves a pick, pick 47, and they drafted Jake Lehman from Maryland. Not a bad pick. Not really sure buying a pick to get Jake Lehman is great. Um, he'll be sitting behind Moharkless, Alan Crabb on the wings. He might, but he's a pick 47. You know, he's a decent player. He, he can defend, he can hit threes, he can pass a little bit. He's not a bad rebounder. He, he's, uh, he's okay. They also gave up a second round pick to get him in 2019, which is a little bit weird. Um, a marginally baffling decision and they've made some baffling trades and Neil O'Shea deserves a lot of credit for putting together the team he did and them then completely exceeding anything that he had hoped for with the team but it seems odd giving away a future second rounder to get Jake Lehman we'll, we'll see I, I, like, he's not going to play Like, what's he What's he going to do interesting going to be interesting to see him in summer league but just Join the the group of white small forwards with Pat Connaughton there as well, and Luis Montero, who's more of a uh, more of a four. Um, bloody Divats. He's an idiot. Don't listen to this. He's an idiot. All right, that's what we got to say about that. You know, he's an idiot. That's harsh. I know, because Vladdy seems like a great guy. Great documentary, Once Brothers, with him um, and the fallout with him and the rest of the Yugoslavian team and uh, Drazen Petrovic and uh, Tony Kukoc and uh, Dino Raja as well. Great, great documentary, which I just watched for the first time last weekend. He's in over his head uh, as a GM. We know the Kings are a joke. They got um, only one of the consensus top, I think, 15 picks in for a workout, and that was Wade Baldwin who would have made 
all the sense in the world at pick eight, but they traded down. I, in here's me thinking, I oh, am yeah, Baldwin will be available. Um, you gave up pick eight, that's fine. You could have had Chris, which wouldn't have made much sense. Okay, you you just drafted Willie Cauley Stein and you got Boogie Cousins. Yep. So what's the point in drafting Chris? I understand having a bit of depth there, but what's the point? You've got holes in other spots. You need wings. You need a point guard. Okay, so you got yourself the rights to Bogdan Bogdanovich. Decent shooter. You need shooters. Fine. Maybe Vladdy convinces him to come across. Yep, great. I think that's fantastic. Good good thinking. You get yourself another first rounder. Yep, there's great depth in this draft. Another nice rotation piece you can get. Yep, fine. You get pick 13. Baldwin's going to be there, assuming the Bucks don't take him. But then they stuffed up and took Thonmaker. You, you, know, you could have got him there. Yeah, pick 13, it's a possibility. Instead, um, Georgios Papayanis, the center from Greece. Um, he's 7 foot 2. He's strong. He's got some post moves. It is the shittest pick of the last five years. He was an. I think he's a great early second round pick. Pick him between pick thirty two to thirty to forty five. Great pick there. Nice depth piece. Pick thirteen. Vlade should immediately be fired. Maybe he knows more than every single person covering the NBA draft. Every person watching the NBA. Every other NBA team. Maybe he knows more than everybody. I reckon the odds of that being true is pretty minimal. Georgios Papianis. I'm gonna get a Papianis jersey jersey just because I cannot I cannot fathom it. I cannot believe it. Take Denzel Valentine. You don't it's like you don't need a wing, you don't need ball handlers. What are you doing? This is as Sacramento as it gets. Just a center. You've got DeMarcus Cousins, you dickheads. And even if Cousins goes, because Cousins is out of it, there is zero chance DeMarcus Cousins is staying in Sacramento. Hence the quote at the start of the show after the pick was made, prayer hands, Lord, give me the strength. Give me the strength to play for these bunch of buffoons. Cousins is gone. And you know what? If Cousins goes, you got Willie Cauley-Stein as your center. What the... F- <laughs> what are you doing? And it's not taking best player available. It is taking who is the most ridiculous player I can take at this point. Here it is. Take Luawu. Take Baldwin. Take friggin' Deontay Murray. Take anybody. Take Isaiah Cordinier. And I would have had less of an issue than this. Take Furkan Korkmaz for Furk's sake. What are you doing? What are you doing? Just goes without saying, don't draft Papianis in standard drafts. This is after Vlade pulled that deal to get pick 22 for, for Ballinelli. And then they picked yeah, a player that I think is one of the worst prospects in the first round, Malachi Richardson. Now, is he better than Ballinelli? I don't know, but there's a chance that he is because Ballinelli was bad. But Richardson can't shoot. He's got a decent jumper. But he can't shoot. He shot 30% from three. Oh, sorry, Bellinelli shot 30% from three. And uh, Richardson shot worse. 
Um, defense is a concern coming from Syracuse. I'll go back to my trusty list of player projections. Out of the 41 players that I projected, Malachi Richardson was worst. He was the last guy on that list in fantasy translations. 294th he came out. If he played 30 minutes a game, 294th. Now, it's not he's got an opportunity in Sacramento, and he could develop. Because Ben McLemore has had chances. He's looked good. He's been dragged. Um, yeah, Omri Caspi's not young. Rudy Gay might be on the move. They need a, a guy that play the 2-3. They could. But I'm not convinced that Richardson's the key. And seriously, if Richardson was where starting him and playing him 30 minutes, you wouldn't draft him in standard leagues. You wouldn't draft him in friggin' 16-team leagues. Everything looks so bad for him at the moment. Um, Just, what are you doing? Pick 28. I thought Skull Bissier could have gone to pick 9. I think it's a re- I think he's a really talented player. He's a great shooter as a four. But how many how many big men do you need? Coolest time, Papianas, Lebissier, Cousins. Get a point guard. Get Demetrius Jackson. Get somebody. Get Eulis. Get Tyler Eulis. Playing with Boogie. Playing with Coley Stein. Now Lebissier, fine. Yep. I don't think it's terrible. Um but picking Papianis just ruins this entire team's draft. Yeah, take Labissier at 13, and I would have said it's confusing, but it's not as stupid as this other pick. Now, now Skull comes out as a top 200 player if he played 30 minutes, but Jesus, where's he getting 30 minutes here? Play Rudy Gay at the fort, Demarcus Cousins, Willie Cauley Stein. You've got to give the man Papianis minutes, do you? No, no, you, you don't. Costa Kufos is still there. Omni Caspi's a better four. I, I, I just don't know. What um, I don't know what they're doing. I I, I don't know. Lebissier, Cousins is gone. We know that. Lebissier and Corley Stein at the four five could work out in the future. So I think that in a in a dynasty building for a future thing, you could find Lebissier be a player who is a top one hundred guy. There's bust potential, but he's not a bad guy to look for there. Pick 59, the second last pick of the draft, Isaiah Cousins, the guard from Oklahoma. Finally, something that makes sense for them. Now, he can hit some threes, he can score. It feels like it's a decent a decent, um, decent pick who might actually find himself getting minutes on this team. Just... Seriously. I, 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 don't, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand the draft for Sacramento. If you're a Sacramento fan, on the scale of I'm ready to put my membership in a microwave, Richmond style, and Australian people will get that, to I'm done with NBA, where are you? Because this is just... I know you should reserve judgment, but you could have picked this guy at 59 probably. Probably Giannis. Cousin's probably the best pick on the board. Don't like Richardson. Scales int- weird but interesting. And Papadianos is uh, terrible. Sorry, Kings fans. I need to speak to Aaron Bruski about that one to see what he thinks because he's uh, a Kings... And if Rajon Rondo comes back to this team, <laughs> seriously, I'm going to put a poll up. 
Who thinks Rajon Rondo or Ricky Rubio? Who's a better point guard, Rajon Rondo or Ricky Rubio? Majority will say Rondo, and majority will be wrong. They could have taken Deontay Murray at pick 28 of the Kings. Instead, the San Antonio Spurs just take him. Okay, cool. We'll just take Deontay Murray now. He was a little out of control at Washington, no doubt about that, but he could have gone in the top 15. No, no questions asked. Tony Parker on the downside. Paddy Mills, not a starter. Deontay Murray? Yep. Potentially. He's 19 years old. He's six foot five. He's long. Um, he's got a lot, lot of work to do, definitely, but he can get to the rim okay. And it's going to be two years down the track, but he, he can be a guy that he's going to the best organization in the NBA, um, no doubt, in my mind. And can improve. Now he falls just outside the top 200 in his rookie stats, but he's not going to contribute as a rookie. He might be a he'll be a fourth year guy. That's where he will start to contribute. Maybe third, but you'll see him play 10 minutes a night. He'll be better than Andre Miller, and he might start to to wear some minutes off of uh, what Patty Mills normally does. Very interested to see what Murray does now that he's in uh, San Antonio. The Toronto Raptors they had. A couple of picks in the first round. Jakob Pertl at pick nine. Labissier was the guy I thought was going there. Pertl was the other name that was going to be mentioned. Bismack Biombo is done. He's not there. Pertl comes in to be a backup center. Maybe Bismack, uh, maybe Bebe is the guy who I do like Bebe. But Pertl can defend. He can protect the rim. He can he can hit some shots, and he improved significantly as a free throw shooter in his second season. So his ability to hit jumpers is there, and I think it's a really good pick. Um, at pick nine, they could afford to go for depth. They probably would have been better off with a four, but who are they going to pick? Allenson? Mm. Yeah, I could have understood, but he's a bit of a project. Um, Deontay Davis as a four, maybe. But I think it's a it's a decent pick for a team that um, yeah, had a pretty uh, pretty successful pretty successful season. Pirtle's a top 150 player. If he plays 30 minutes, he projects relatively well, but not sensationally, and he's not getting 30 with Jonas Valanciunas there. But could this be the impetus for Dwayne Casey to, again, stifle Valanciunas' production and say, well, we need um, Pirtle out there for 22 minutes a game? I don't think so. I think Pirtle's going to be a 17-minuter, maybe 20 minutes. You've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10. Select styles only.